Hello, everyone. This is Joseph Pisa. Welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to the flagship show. Fired Up Network. Fired Up Live. Got a great show for you tonight. We're, as always, we're going to begin with part network is female empowerment movement. Femme, Courtney Riddell with Renaissance Mama, followed by NBA Jump Ball with Sports Fluent, Anthony K and Captain Canada, Drew Ebanks. Big up for Drew Ebanks. And then we got uh, a special, the grizzled young veteran, Marty Roberts, will have a special, special guest, and uh, I'm excited to have it. And then myself and Giancarlo Lino will close out the show with uh, the wrestling on the mat wrestling show. We, we talk WWE, we talk uh, AEW, we talk Impact Wrestling, then preview Impact Wrestling's No Surrender pay-per-view, preview Bellator 291 pay-per-view preview UFC fight night all this weekend and don't forget tomorrow here on the fired up network at 12 30 12 30 p.m the soccer show and MLS preview MLS major league soccer begins on Saturday we'll have a great preview tomorrow here on fire up network but as mentioned we're going to begin the show with Courtney Hi friends, I'm Courtney. I'm a performer, speaker, and a writer. I'm a three crazy boys and a super sweet dog. I decided 12 years that I needed to create a business that worked for me instead of me working for it. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur who may be considered a serial entrepreneur by some, but then I realized that all businesses focused on connection, community, and creating an incredible experience. I cannot wait to share with you how to make small but mighty changes in your life to affect your overall well-being and create a life and business you want to get up in the morning for. That's right, my friends. I am the Renaissance Mama. Hi, friends. This is Courtney, the Renaissance Mama, and I have a very special guest for all of you today. Please say hello to Charlotte Schwartz. Ah, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking your time from your busy, busy day. Charlotte is a busy mama. She has worked in the legal field. She is a marathon runner, and she is a fantastic writer. Charlotte, I know I just told my audience a little bit about you, but can you share a little bit what you are known for? Oh, um, sure. I, yeah, I have, I do a lot of things. Um, and a lot of people say like, well, you do so many things. And I'm like, the key is that you just don't do anything really well. You do all the things, but you just, just kind of do them like mediocre. Um, that's how you can do many things at once. That's my secret. But um, no, I have, uh, I'm a parent of four kids um, in a blended family. So I have a stepdaughter and then I have three of my own. Um, uh, I am a co-parent um, to my two boys who are the, the middle in the group of four kids. Uh, so their dad and I uh, share uh, them between our two homes uh, very successfully. Um, I've been working uh, as it's called a law clerk. So it's a legal support position um, in the area of family law only for 20 years, 21 years. Um, and uh, so I've seen a lot of 
things, a lot of uh, ugly things, some laughable things, depends on the day. The job brings something new often. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I uh, started writing, I guess, about 10 years ago. Um, last year, uh, a book that I wrote called Your Place or Mine, which is a guide to sort of co-parenting and developing co-parenting agreements was published uh, in September. Um, that was really exciting. Uh, and then uh, for some reason, I'm a part-time student as well, finally working on my undergraduate degree that I should have got 20 years ago. Um, so I'm in my second year at U of T uh, in the English department. I love that. That is so amazing. <laughs> I I need to tell you this and my audience this. So I have an obsession with Charlotte's writing. I am <laughs> such a fan and have been for years. Um, I think I had my first son when you had your first son close to there. And I will say there are like many 2011. Yeah. Uh, oh, 2011. So that'd be my second one. But still right in that like midst of okay. like new motherhood. And I would, there was, I would read either one of your blogs or even just a Facebook post and be bawling, like to the point where I was like inconsolable, but because your writing is so beautiful and it's funny and it's like, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So, um, I would love for you to share with my audience. Um, I know you mentioned your book and it's, it sounds, it's absolutely incredible. Um, can you share a little bit sort of why you decided this was a book like you, you had to write? Yeah, I, so like I said, I saw everything. Sorry, my dog is barking for some reason. <laughs> okay, it's stopped now. Um, I, I've seen a lot in family. Like when I started this job, I had just turned 20, right? I didn't have kids. Uh, I didn't have much in the way of obligations like my biggest priority was like getting paid so I could go to like Le Chateau on Queen Street <laughs> and like buy clothes for the club or whatever so um that was my you know those are my priorities and so I was working in in the the field and I was seeing all the things um and doing good work but I wasn't really making the the personal connection yet like I hadn't really somehow hadn't really captured the fact that these were real people and real lives, you know, happening in front of me in real time. And so, um, you know, fast forward a few years and uh, I did, I was married. I did have my own kid. Uh, I, I guess I had at least one by then. And it was, um, it got really hard. Like the work got hard, like just watching people, um, especially, and even 10 years ago, like, the laws were really still quite matriarchal, which is unusual around kids. So often kids would just go with mom if the parents split up. Um, and the dad in the equation, and, and I don't mean to be so heteronormative, typical, like in that typical, you know, mom, dad equation, um, the kids would end up uh, with dad, you know, like one over night a week every other weekend and then the, the vast majority of the time they'd be with mom and that was just sort of the static yeah. thing like everybody sort of that's what they did um and you know 
getting a grip on divorce rates is a really interesting thing because we say like approximately 50% of marriages end in divorce. But what I make kind of clear in my book is what that doesn't account for is the like huge group of people who are um, couples, but not actually legally married. So there's no data on people who, you know, live in a, in a marriage like relationship, but you know, don't end up like legalizing the, the agreement between them to be together. And then if they split up, there's no data on their separation rates. So it, it's happening a lot. It happens a lot to a lot more people than you even know. And so that means that these things are happening to a lot of kids they're being sort of unevenly split between homes they're being in a lot of cases they were being like made to say where they wanted to be Mm. which parent they which is just terrible um and so I'd seen a lot and I'd also had privilege of working along a lot of really talented lawyers um and some terrible ones but some really really talented ones who were really responsible about saying like I think you know, your kids should be with you equally. And if that means you have to make, you know, concessions in your life now that you don't have typically mom sitting at home waiting for them to come home from school, you're going to need to change your lifestyle. You're going to need to change the hours that you work and and bend and flex around the kids the way you always had to, married or not. Um, and when I got to see that in practice a lot more, it, it became so obvious to me that 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 just should be the way that it is kids I I appreciate there are lots of scenarios where it's not necessarily the best thing for kids to be with both parents equally but the majority of the time it is the best thing um and so uh when I my ex-husband and I split up uh, like I said we shared two kids at the time they were only three and five they're really little Um, And I went through all the motions, even having been exposed to all of the stuff through work. You know, I remember saying to him something, we didn't even like, we didn't have this bomb drop on our relationship and split up because of it. It just kind of worked toward an ending very slowly. Right. And so um, still, I, I remember saying things like, don't you dare think you're getting my kids half the time. Like I said, all the worst things that I could have said. Uh, and yet here we are with like a very predictable schedule for where they are and when, um, as well as lots of provisions for flexibility, um, because it's just actually what works best. For and, you know, six years later now, my kids are very well adjusted. They're happy. They're healthy. They're doing well in school. Um, and those are typically the markers for how well a kid is doing you know like when we go to court claim not doing well we're showing the court their report cards that say they're not doing well we're showing them letters from the doctor saying they're not adjusting well um and we're not you know we we haven't experienced that because we made it a priority i think not to deal with money stuff first not to deal with you know all the things that come out of a relationship but to get the kids arrangements solidified quickly Um, and when we were able to do that and take all of that like emotionally charged stuff out of the equation it really made the rest a lot easier you know I didn't find myself crying about dishes and you know a a chair and stuff and 
because there there wasn't that layer of like you know like everything is just exacerbated by heightened emotions and we didn't have that and i like this can be better for people like th this can unfold better way um, but they just need to know that that way exists and they need all the information when people separate they tend to be like oh like who's your you know who's your lawyer and like i need you know this lawyer who's gonna like rip people apart and rip their heads off and like it, there are lawyers like that for sure but i promise you you probably don't want them like you probably want to make this as easy for yourself and your kids as possible so i i wrote the book because i saw a lack of books like it when i was looking for them for myself when i was first separating a lot of the books exist, but they're written by a psychologist who maybe isn't a parent or like maybe has never been divorced or they're written by a lawyer with the same, you know, uh, variables. Like, I just wanted to hear the words come from like a regular person that lawyers and psychologists aren't regular <laughs> people, but I digress. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I just wanted yes. to hear it in regular speak. Yeah. So I wrote it myself and uh, yeah, and it's, it's been really rewarding to put it out there. I bet I, um, I, when my, I was around six when my parents separated and they didn't go through any lawyers, they kind of tried to work out an agreement my, themselves, but it was very different from anything else my friends were going through. Like my friends had the families who we're separated and, you know, the parents couldn't even talk to each other and there'd be a honk at the, you know, the door when you had to go leave and you couldn't go here because you're going to dad's house and you couldn't do this activity because you'd be at mom's house. Whereas my family did it in this very like chill kind of loose way, but they, they had it figured out. And there was days where my dad would come to my family home and have a few sleepovers and my mom would go out. So we would have the consistency and then there was days where we'd like go to his play a few days and hang out but it was very very relaxed he still came to all like Christmases we went on family vacations together and now he's very very good friends with my stepdad like it was just this like very natural like it was this is what our family is is it doesn't look like anyone else I think I even knew at a pretty young age how kind of unique that was especially when we're talking like ugh, 20 30 something 30 something years ago right like it was yeah, I know it's yeah. wild we're not it old, different we? no we are right I know I just had a big birthday yeah. this past week but yeah me too me too oh, oh I, happy birthday <laughs> you too I saw some of yours it looks like you had a good good time celebrated <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it, but I did apparently have a good time. Yeah. I love that. Um, so like I said, you saw the need for this book and I think it is so important. And like you said, taking it from the lens of somebody who's been there and seen so many different things and being a parent and going through it, what is like your main cope that readers will take away when they, when they read it? Um, that's a good question. Just that um can be done in, in an inexpensive uh mm. relatively short period of time because that's a pretty um, big factor too right like the thought of the cost of how this is all going to be very intimidating for all i mean most people don't 
when you when you're a lawyer and go the court route to deal with this stuff most people don't walk out of that scenario in toronto anyway um without having spent about like seventy five hundred thousand dollars dollars like wow right and, and like where do most average sort of income earning people get that amount of money right yeah right they're all borrowing it is yeah. is the answer and for what right like it, it's it's yeah. not all i know some people need need that level of legal protection but most don't um and i i don't know i'm not trying to like create a situation where there's suddenly no job for me anymore but um <laughs> it's it's you know it's a lot of it's a lot of money it's a huge commitment and i think a lot of people don't really know what they're getting into when they go down that road um the resources are far better spent on other things like therapy um family therapy uh, mediation as opposed to like the money is far better spent on so many other things um and the other thing is just uh like now you know you and i have now reached the age where a lot of our friends are getting separated of course like statistically this is like first divorce age yeah um so you know a lot of people come to me because they know what i do uh -huh. and you know the first question is like what am i gonna do are my kids gonna be okay yeah and now like i i used to have many different that and now i'm like yes your kids are going to be totally fine, but that is like a hundred percent dependent on how you conduct yourself from here on. So as much as it's important to, you know, th there's all these platitudes and things about like, you can't pour from an empty cup and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not believing those things, but in, uh, in a time like this, like in a, in a bit of like a crisis, you don't have a, as a, parent you don't really have a choice but to put the kids first yeah you you're not you're not going to be dealing with your own grief or your own feelings for a long time you're you're going to be making sure that the kids get through it yeah and develop some resilience as a result of going through that process with you carrying them through it and holding them through it it if you don't it it can be, it can look so many ways like we all know people whose parents were divorced, you know, older than, than you would have been like yeah. my parents, I, I was 21 when my parents separated, uh -huh. but my sister was 13 mm. and my sister has, uh, sustained a lot of trauma because of the way that that went down and the things that happened after the separation. And we are, we were always very different people, but we have very different lives because of the difference in age when we experienced that. Like we experienced it in such different ways because I didn't live at home anymore for one, right? And she was in grade nine. Yeah. So, you know, like difficult age anyway, and then to throw like the total upheaval of your family in the mix is a lot. So yeah, if people need to prioritize their kids in these processes, um and not themselves and that's so hard because we're always talking about self-love and me time and you know all of these like putting yourself first because you're the one caring for everyone and if you can't care for yourself you can't care for anyone else like they throw all these things at you as a parent and you're like when would i have time like when right? would i 
have time to put myself, so I wouldn't. Um, but and of course, I understand you know the greater meaning behind it. But yeah, the kids through this process, they have to go first, and that's really important. Sorry, oh. that's really important for people to know. Yeah, I have three dogs. It's a lot. I don't recommend it. Oh, I love it. They're like, yeah. we want in. They want. They want their time on the camera as well. Yeah, totally. Charlotte, what did you think of the process of writing a book? How was that? <gasps> oh my goodness. Um, ever since I started writing, I've like I've really wanted to write a book, like yeah. a, a, a fiction though, like something really uh I'll read it. Whatever you write, I will read it. I tell you, I'm like I'm a your um, best fan of like anything. I'll read it. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. I I was sort of like I wanted to I don't know, I thought I was gonna write like the next Twilight series or something. And then um, I met uh, I met with somebody who worked in publishing who was like, I think it's a really good idea to write a book about what you know. Yeah. And I was like, um, I don't okay, like, is that really exciting? And they were like, well, that's up to you if it's exciting or not. And so, you know, I, I started working on the book I sent a proposal and it was accepted um and then the real work began began I consider myself a writer however um things that I didn't pay attention to in high school uh like grammar um uh, using more you know more diverse vocabulary all of those <laughs> things are really important and um yeah so the the editing stage was gutting. Yeah. Like we worked for about six months editing the book to the point where like at some uh, one of the stages, I didn't even feel like I had written yeah. the book. Like it didn't feel like me anymore, um, which was by design because uh, it definitely made it a better book. Um, and all the ideas were still there, but it yeah. was like someone else, you know, wrote them down so it was um it was great but really humbling um because i'm used to you know uh, like mr briggs oac writers craft where um everything was oh this is excellent charlotte and i was like thank you so much i'm i am perfect so to see you know to see a real editor be like oh my god there are so many things wrong with this i was like oh uh oh like i don't i don't know what to say um and i had to yeah you have to be there's a lot of humility involved in what feels like and like a personal attack it isn't but it certainly can feel that way so, so that was the surprising part of that process for sure um and just how long it takes yeah, you know, like you don't appreciate like these people like Danielle Steele who write like 50 books a year. I'm like, how? Because right? it took me two and a half years to write this one small book. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, I know you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, you're sort of joking, but seriously, how how do you do it all? All the things, be you seem like such a great parent and you're obviously like working full time and I, now you're in school and running marathons and how, how do you manage all this craziness? Uh, and the dogs, the dogs themselves speak a lot of... <laughs> 
it's a lot of dogs. Yeah. Some came with relationship in oh. fairness. So you can't really no. do a lot about that. Yeah. Um, and then we did get one together who's like right next to me trying to eat Valentine's Day chocolate. Mine's over um, here as well. He's participating in the show. <laughs> perfect. He's like the recording. Pretty much. Um, yeah. He'll no, edit it. I, yeah. I, I think that there was a big, um, there was a big about face for me when the pandemic started, which was three years ago, somehow, yeah, almost right? like two I in know. a month, it'll be three years. I know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I say when it started, because I'm, I kind of am of the opinion that's not quite over yet. I agree. Um, and, and so I, I was like, this is going to be bananas at home. Like I'm going to be working at home. My job actually got busier because of the pandemic, because as you can imagine, people who already don't like each other, who are then forced to be together all the time for the sake of public health. Yeah. Um, yeah, they start to separate and divorce too. They're, you know, they're, they're like, you know what, I'm done. I've really wondered what the stats are. Like, I feel like they should do a whole study on that because I'm sure the numbers are what you would expect them to be. But they're exactly. through the roof, for sure. Yeah, so they've gone up like anecdotally, for sure. Um, but I, I was like, we're going to need to keep a schedule in place. Like, we're going to need to be organized. I'm going to need to prioritize my mental health a bit like I am I am kind of a type a like high volume person I like to do a lot of stuff I feel really lost if I'm not doing a lot of stuff that's good and bad that's not always a good thing but I um I really wanted to not come out like just feeling like we'd been put through the ringer and I knew the kids were going to be home for more than two weeks <laughs> you know like I, I knew it wasn't going to be as simple as it looked or was sounding to be. So I, um, in a, in response to that sort of situation, I took on a lot more. Like I, we created a schedule. Of like no matter what, like we were all going for a walk for an hour at like eight thirty in the morning before the day started. And I was getting up at like 5 a.m. to work out every day. Like I prioritize doing that every day. And like I do it at 5 a.m. not because I love waking up early, but honestly, it is the only time where no one needs anything from me. Right. Right. Like by 6.15 a.m. there's like, I want breakfast. Where's my lunch? I need this shirt. Where's the laundry? Yeah. You know, like it's so 5 a.m. is my time, which I actually um, adopted that principle from Michelle Obama, because <laughs> in her book, she talks about how like, she was like, you know what, forget it. Like, screw you guys. It's 5 a.m. I'm getting up. I'm going to the gym. You guys deal with it. If you happen to wake up, deal with it. But like, I'm going to go do me for an hour and I'll be back and I'll be a better parent because of it. And so... Uh, I took on a lot of extra things. Then I just, that's when I decided to go back to school because it was all online anyway. Nice. It just seemed like a bit of a no brainer to, yeah. you know, at least start that way. Um, and, and everyone did okay because we had a really predictable, you know, like we introduced fancy Fridays. I was going to say go fancy Fridays. Yeah. I loved them. They were my favorite <laughs> to see your we kids. We still do them. Oh, I love that so much. So share yeah, with my audience no, a little bit. We're still doing them. So every, Friday, oh, um, yes. so, yeah, every, every other Friday when all of the kids are here together, 
um, we would have, uh, or we do have uh, a fancy dinner. Sometimes not actually fancy, but uh, we make a dinner at home um, and everyone has to dress up. They can interpret that however they want. Um, but everyone has to dress up. Uh, the kids get to drink like Shirley Temples out of wine glasses. Um, and and we just eat dinner together and it's and the kids expect it now, like they know it's yeah. fancy Friday. Um tonight is fancy Friday or tomorrow, oh. sorry, today's Thursday. Tomorrow <laughs> is fancy Friday. It's a Valentine's Day theme. Oh one. um, I know. So yeah, no, we just introduced a lot of things like that. Also because that I mean it still feels like that, but at at the beginning of all of this, it felt very there's a lot of dread. Like yeah. I had no idea what, no one really knew what COVID was going to do or not do. Right. Right. And there was no vaccines on the horizon. Like there was no relief in sight. You just heard all this terrible news all the time. You would walk, you know, go for a walk with your kids and the whole park was taped up because yes. you couldn't even touch playground equipment. Like it was really scary. Yeah. Um, and I remember reading an article that Margaret Atwood wrote like an op-ed for the Globe and Mail, I think, about how she had lived through the, maybe the smallpox epidemic, I guess. And it was like a mandatory quarantine here. And you like, and you couldn't go out and you could, cause there was no, there was no vaccines available. And like it, that smallpox was very harmful. Um, and I remember the article just being like, and you know, like I was, she, she was born during smallpox. So her mom was like quarantined with this oh newborn, like a young mom quarantined with a newborn and like yeah. not able to go outside. And she was like, and it's okay. And now I'm like old and fine. And so we'll be like, we'll get through this one too. Yes. Um, and I remember getting like feeling a little bit of hopefulness from that, but otherwise it was just so much dread and like the life lineups at the grocery store and Costco like everything was terrifying it felt like I was watching like a show or a movie oh, yeah. about the it like surreal the end for times. sure yeah <laughs> right and like the grocery store shelves being empty like it was very scary uh-huh. um and so yeah we put all these things in place just to have things to look forward to yeah. um and that's I think how we get so much done is just like being organized is key even if you're not inherently an organized person you kind of have to be there are six people in this house and with very like diverse needs like they range in age from four to 13 um and you know like they're all really different people who need different things so being organized was also a priority um and uh yeah it that's really the only way to do do a lot of things is to be or you don't have to like I said you don't have to do any of them well it's not like sell at all of the things you're doing like I yes I run marathon very slowly yeah. never gonna run a three hour and 30 minute marathon I'm not like aging into my Boston qualifier there you go you know stage <laughs> none of that I it's I, yeah but I I can run for four hours so I just do occasionally yeah. um and I don't and, and do I get anything out of it yeah four hours out of the house amazing Uh, would I rather be lying down for four hours sure um but yeah you get you know you get I think you get what you put into things yeah 
And if those things are really important to you, you'll put a lot into them, even if you're tired, even if you are maxed out every other respect. So it's it's really the only way. Stay organized and like right. what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you think is some of the hardest things about co-parenting? Ooh, um, that's a big question, Courtney. So again, <laughs> organization. Yeah key like my kids are on the schedule that is the most supported by social sciences yeah. so we're on a two two five five schedule so that means in our case every monday and tuesday night they're with dad every wednesday and thursday night they're with me and then it's a friday saturday sunday monday tuesday oh, okay flip flop flip flop yeah, yeah, yeah so two two days five days five days two days two days five yeah. days five days so that seems like a huge headache. You get really used to it really quickly. It's very predictable. And and we've normalized it because it's just what we do. My kids know where they're supposed to be and yes. when. Um, we live really proximate to each other. That can be really that can be really difficult. Um, like we Seth and I both live in East York. We live like two kilometers apart. Um, we both incur tremendous housing costs as a result of doing yeah. that, but that we're, our kids' school is in the middle of where we live. So like they go back and forth. It's, yeah. it's really easy. We have keys to each other's houses, um, in case of emergencies or like, and by emergency, I mean, like my kid forgets his trumpet at one house and needs it <laughs> at the other or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, the the hardest part I think is staying organized, um, and then being able to be as flexible as possible for like life. So yes, we have a schedule in place. Um, it is meant to be consistent and routine for the benefit of the kids, but. Like I, my job is strictly in Ontario. I do not have to travel for work. I don't have to do anything like that. Steph on the end travels a fair bit for work, sometimes with very little notice. Uh, so when something comes up, like you can't just say, oh, sorry, work, I can't, I have my kids right. those days, right? So it falls to me or if I need to do something, it falls to him um, to, to, take that, to take that time. Yeah. Um, that can be hard and it can breed some resentment if you feel like you're the one being more flexible more often or whatever. But again, like when I, whenever I feel that way, I just remind myself that like, what, like what else would the kids do then? Like, where would they go? Right. Like, of course they're going to be with me if maybe I was looking forward to that day or two. Yeah. So like, you know, I find I spend most of the time that they're not here, like, restocking my house yeah <laughs> like getting That's the it. food again getting like cleaning all the things. and organized and yeah exactly um and that's just, it's just like a cycle now and it's a very very predictable pattern but being flexible is really important um for so many reasons but it also just demonstrates for the kids because they're watching right oh, like gosh, yes. one of the things i say in the in my book is kids are not stupid and just because they're kids doesn't mean their EQ is low. Like they see and they hear and they know what's going on. So yeah. see that there's flexibility between their parents. 
that like later one day they'll appreciate it um or they'll they'll see that it was something that was just very normal in their family and i think that's really important too um but one of the things that tends to be really tricky it wasn't necessarily for seth and i but you know, you start as co-parents and then people repartner yeah right so then it's not just like yes. parent on one side parent on the other but it can be whoever those people are with now as well right. that tends to complicate things a bit um parents you'll find don't always love the fact that their kids are suddenly spending time with this like other yeah. they've never met whose name they don't know and they're, they're like hearing about them through their kids yes um a lot of parents don't like that and they get their back up about it um and that's just something to work through like it's something to be prepared for because yeah. i think at the end of the day when people repartner successfully they're usually a lot happier yeah right so Makes you get sense. a better version yeah. of your co-parent yeah like you get you get a nicer more reasonable more flexible version of your co-parent when they're repartnered too yeah um when only one parent is repartnered and one isn't that's also tricky um, but repartnering is a bit of an obstacle and there's lots of ways to work through that um, you can have lots of provisions in the separation agreement or in a parenting plan about new partners. Mm -hmm. uh, like in, in the case of Seth and I, we have a rule around introducing the kids to new partners. Yeah. Um, it, you know, loosely, it says, you know, they shouldn't meet a new person until the relationship is like six months old or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And I get that that could mean nothing to some people meet and get married in less than six months, but... Yeah um the general rule is like make sure your relationship with that person is pretty solid before you yeah. let kids kind of fall in love with um because then it's hard for the kids so that's the probably the most tricky part other yeah. than just living like living the principle of flexibility um the repartnering piece is hard for sure and i bet there's times too where like you probably do something out of emotion or haste or whatever, and then realize later on, maybe that wasn't the exact right way to go about it. I know friends recently who I think she's just about to get remarried. They, they're looking at some of the provisions and they're like, like we used, we said what rules, right? Like, so trying, right. trying to go over that again and be like, okay, yes, at the time this made sense, but now, now it's a little bit, a little bit much. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I don't uh, want to... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I lost my audio for a second. No, that's okay. That's uh, so common. It's such a common plight. Yeah. All right. Well, we have got a few minutes left. So I have a few more quick questions for you. Sure. Uh, who is really inspiring you right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um. I follow on Instagram, like an influencer in Toronto, um, Sasha Exeter. Uh, she is like a, she's everything. She's like a athlete. Uh, well, I mean, she's an athlete now. She's like a super fit mom of one. 
um, and she's like a fashion designer and model for Joe Fresh, and she does all these really cool things. And um, she's a co-parent, and she is like unapologetically a co-parent, and like I kind of love her those her people. Partner, yeah, yeah, people who like are her like and her former partner travel with their kid together, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Um, and just any, like anybody who has that kind of reach, like she has, you know, a gazillion followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. anybody who has that kind of reach and uses it to, yes. to propel those ideals, yeah. I, I really appreciate. And I find that really inspiring. Just like, I try to do it too, but I don't have nearly the platform that no, she does. Not but yet. One day. <laughs> maybe we'll see. It's true. The night is young. Right um what yeah, is a yeah. book that you are either reading right now or you're like super pumped to read or maybe one you just um I no that's a good question I'm reading um Spare the Prince Harry biography oh. um with my book club um it's what you would expect it's beautifully ghost written by somebody else um and it's it's, uh, it's really sad. Like, it's really, it's really sad. Like, there's a lot that as people who weren't connected to the royal family don't know about this, like the circumstances surrounding Princess Diana's death and what happened to the boys after that. Mm. Um, and Prince Harry was the same age, he was 11, when his mom died, uh, as my, my current, current husband, my husband now, um, was also 11, his dad passed away. Um, and it's really interesting to see, like there's a lot of similarities and just how, like how you come into adulthood through yes. something yeah. like that. Um, so it's it's really good so far. I, I highly recommend it if you're into the royal family or someone who was willing to debunk a lot of the myths about the royal family, because it's essentially a tell-all um, about how messed up the monarchy is right uh, yeah. um just before we go do you have any advice for families who are either considering co-parenting or going through the whole messy ordeal yeah if i think if you think it's done it's probably I think a lot of people spend like years in this weird dance of like oh you know maybe when the kids are older we'll get along better or you know like put a lot of weight on like certain things happening to make relationship better but I think ultimately like if the relationship appears to be failing it's because it probably is um and uh that you can have many different types of relationships with the same person like Seth and I used to be married and now we're co-parents and our co-parenting relationship works far better than any relationship we had prior to this. Um, it's really important to know. And it's really important to know that um, you, sorry, you can be, that's really loud. You can be the, um, you can design your own thing. Like you don't have to look the way everyone else looks and your family doesn't even. Yep. And you're in good company. Like there are so many people doing this now, it, you know, in the eighties or whatever, I'm sure it was super rare. Oh gosh, and now yeah. it's like ha half of kids ha come from 
you know, different types of families. And that's okay. It's part of what makes the world go around. So taking comfort in all of those things is helpful for sure. Awesome. Well, where can my audience either get your book or reach you or figure out more about you? Um, your place or mine uh, is available from Dundurn Press uh, on Amazon um, and at local bookstores. Um, there is a link tree on my Instagram page, which is at Charlotte underscore Dobo B-O. Um, where you can locate local bookstores near you uh, that are carrying the book. It's also at Chapters Index. Um, and uh, it's available as an audiobook, um, if that's your thing, on Audible. And uh, at the Public Library, Toronto. So you can hold put a hold on it there, too. Cool. Awesome. Charlotte, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. And thank you, friends and audience. We'll see you later. Well, thank you to Courtney Riddell, the Renaissance Mama, for that uh, great uh, Fired Up Network, of course, Femme Female Empowerment Movement. Every week, we have uh, ladies here on the Fired Up Network. Also, we have Captain Canada, Drew Ebanks, and sports fluent Anthony Kay on NBA Jump Ball, where we talk about... The Raptors just underway against the New Orleans uh, Pelicans and um, the all-star debacle. Here is Drew Ebanks and Annie Kay. Oh Hello, everybody. This is Joseph Hasek and welcome to NBA with Captain Canada, Drew Ebanks. And, of course, we're going to get more sports fluent with Anthony Kay. First of all, Drew, uh, you told me you're I you so hard, your teeth hurt, you had root canal and all that. I told you, I'm not mean business here. You better cover the award winning, the league winning Whoa. champion coach, an MBA coach, or CBA, or uh, you know, BBA, or whatever. G League, I'll take G League. G League, no, no. Well, I'll get you in the G League, but you get Gatorade for life. All right? So, the, <laughs> so the Anthony I gave you a little was, RVD, too. You didn't even. Uh, yeah, well, look, this guy's using wrestling terms. I'm so confused here. He tells me about my forehead. It's nice and shiny. Now he's res using wrestling terms. Drew Ebanks, I'm putting you on the spot right away. When are you going to cover Anthony K? Do when? I need to know the time. Shout out, Mavericks. Congrats, guys. Great big job. Up, big Congrats, up to Mavericks. Big up. Drew. Would you guys be Who'd you guys beat? I have no idea. <laughs> it doesn't matter who he beat. Oh He's the champion. Wow. You got, That's great. You got a, a song Somebody. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> do, do you got to, we are the champions there? Come on. Good. No, yeah. no, no, no. Congrats. Yeah, we'll, we'll appreciate it. We'll try to come through one of these days very soon. All right. In 2023, not 33. Yes, right? uh, yeah. Uh, you yes, know, we just we just tell them this for next year, right? Right, right, Joe? Yeah, that's, that's all. Who's never been the man? He's never been the 
man. And Anthony, Anthony, let me ask Drew. I'm putting. I'm sorry. I got to do this because I, we had a heated discussion, me and my girl, about this. Anthony, it's your girl's birthday. Do you even get her like a cake or flowers or anything like that, or you just no? No. See, what is, then I'm the one who screwed up here. You know, Drew doesn't get flowers, doesn't get present, doesn't get anything. He says, oh, my toothache, I can't do it. No, Joe, Joe, let me, let me teach you something, Joe. After a certain age, women stop having birthdays. So what do you need? It can flowers and... You have to. You have to honor. You don't birthday, have birthdays. I do that every day. I do that because it's a Wednesday. It's a don't just do it because yeah, don't just it's do a it. Thursday actually, yeah, whatever day it is, yeah, it's a Thursday. <laughs> All right, enough enough shenanigans here. Let's get to the NBA. The NBA starts unofficially the second half tonight. The Raptors and New Orleans here. I don't know if New Orleans made it in. I, I do. You guys have any word if New Orleans made it in because of the snowstorm? Drew, go out and find it. Look, look out your window. You're right at Air Canada Center. Look if New Orleans made it in. There is. Some video going by uh, last week of Zion wants to get rid, wants to get out of New Orleans. Anthony, uh, what do you make of this video? He does not want to get out of New Orleans. He just signed an extension in New Orleans. What he should be focused on is getting healthy and getting on the court. You can't get out of a team that you just signed an extension with without being on the court. So I know if you're referring to the one where he said the other cities that he likes to travel to, Toronto being one of them, that's that's great. Zion needs to work on his weight, on his fitness, on, on playing basketball and stay right in New Orleans where he is. I'm sick and tired of people signing a contract extension in the same year next year asking to get out of it. it enough. Enough's enough. Play, Go play. Go play. Get on the court. The Pelicans are a good team. They can make a run in that West. That West is wide open, even with the addition to, of KD to the to the Suns. It's still wide open. He needs to get on the court and be quiet. So I'm going to ask Drew, and then I'll come back to you, Anthony. Has he been overrated so far, Zion? Definitely not overrated. I mean, I mean, I'm a little biased because I had him on my fantasy team uh, this year. Unfortunately, as you can, you guys, <laughs> me too, on my IR. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. Drew injured. hasn't won his fantasy team since 1967, the last time the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. That's the truth. Just just after that, but yeah, no, I haven't won my league yet. I've come second, but bottom line is when he's on the floor, guys, he's one of the most productive. Uh, his percentages are incredible. Like The things he does when he's actually playing is almost unprecedented for a guy who's really not a center. I mean, his shooting percentages, he finishes at the rim with contact. You know, if he can shoot the three, he can shoot the three a bit as well, but so efficient, so really unstoppable. And it hurts because I want to see Zion Williamson play. Like he's just honestly one of the most unique basketball players that we've ever seen. Unfortunately, the body type is not conducive to staying on the floor, especially when he can't keep his diet and in the way he puts on pounds uh, under control. So it's going to be really hard for him, guys. I really was looking forward to this season. I thought he was finally overcoming that. But little minute, um, you know, nicks and knacks that other players could kind of get through, it seems like with Zion, it's just uh, something that keeps him out for weeks at a time. Zion, Zion's in a tough situation because it's not just the weight. It's not just the weight. He's got bad feet in the sense that he has bad footwork, the way that he runs, the way that he jumps, the way that he lands. All of those things are bad. And, and so <laughs> if you remember when he first that. got, 
Yeah, when yeah, he waddles, right? One leg might be longer than the other. It happens. It's very common. I think almost everybody has it, but his the gap might be bigger with this. But the problem is, if you remember when he got drafted, they said, we're going to teach him how to walk, change the way he walks and runs and jumps and lands, because that's where a lot of that those injuries come from, not just the weight. He has the potential to be a Charles Barkley type of player in the sense that Charles Barkley, let me tell you right now, I've met Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is nowhere, is no, I'm 6'3", legit, and he, I look him eye to eye. There's no way he's bigger than 6'4". Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody tells yeah, me, I don't care how they measured him. I stood face to face with him, the man 6'4". And he played at the power forward position phenomenally. The problem, the thing with Zion is more act, explosive athletically than him, but my point is he has the potential to be that caliber of great player of Charles Barkley mm-hmm. or the weight and he could be Oliver Miller. That's the that's the range of player he can become. He is so to Drew's point, so talented. Like he is he you can't put the word bust on him because when he has played, it's not like Greg Odin or those other guys. When he, he he's not a bust because when he's played, he's been phenomenal. Like one of top five player in the league, maybe top ten for sure, maybe top five played enough because of the injuries so he's gonna be more along the breath of tracy mcgrady grant hill wish i would have saw him healthy more um not like let's because i throw people have thrown the bus not a bust definitely not a bust because he's shown he can do it all right so let's get to and their opposition today here at the Scotiabank Arena, the Raptors. Raptors now with Pasco. If everybody looks like they're healthy, Gary Trent and everybody like that, I'll ask Captain Canada because Captain Canada a little bit biased, all right? A little bit biased, okay? What do you think? What's the best Raptors can do here in the next 20 games or so? I mean, I think they really haven't captured the essence of what brought them success, guys. Um, I don't know what it is. There's just something missing. I'm not sure if it's a leadership um, aspect of it. I know that for me, I've been a bit critical of Nick Nurse just in that I don't see a fostering of the roster as a whole. I see him believing and buying into certain players, but I see other players kind of being left to the wayside. And I think there's no cohesiveness with that roster and guys knowing even at the in the eighth, ninth, 10, 11 spots, knowing they're going to get consistent minutes. They have to. Well, how do you change that three quarters of a season in? Well, I mean, that's not easy, but this team has experience, guys. We're not talking about, um, you know, a young squad that's out there in the league that hasn't done anything. There's enough veteran experience for them to be a lot better. But I believe it starts, and I always say this at every single level, it starts on the defensive end. If you're not going to commit defensively, you're not going to win a lot of ball games. And also, when your point guard is basically your shooting guard or your top uh, as far as field goal attack and he's only six feet tall that's not going to get it done they need Fred Van Vliet to almost transform his game in this second part of the season to be more of a facilitator a distributor and pick his spots uh when he has to you look at Jalen Brunson and what he's done for the New York Knicks I mean he's pretty much done that he's got guys involved in the offense, and then when he needs to strike, he does that uh, with great uh, results from it. So I think a guy like Fred needs to adjust his game, but ultimately, if they want to make a run and you know string together seven, eight, nine, ten wins in a row, defensively is where they're going to have to get it done. Anthony, 
So you asked realistically what they can do. So they got 23 games left. Um, for them to have any shot at any shot at getting kind of where they want to be, which is that sixth seed, they got to go like 15 and eight. Doable type of number, which is doable with the the team. This team, when you look at this team one through ten, they're very talented, right? Again, OG getting healthy would help. Um, thank you. OG getting healthy would help because then you have an all defensive player, you have an all NBA player in, in Pascal. Can I just shout out CNN? Pascal Shakim, they called him. What a joke. Wow. Figure out the last names, people. I know I pronounced them wrong, but at least I try. Okay, so you got an all NBA player in Pascal Siakam an all-defensive player in OG. You have an all-star in Fred Van Vliet. Like, you have a talent. You have a, a rookie of the year from last year who's... Everyone say he dropped... He didn't drop off. He just... Scotty Barnes just hasn't taken that next step yet. Um, so you have an all-rookie player in 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 Scotty Barnes. You have a, a shooter who can, you know, put buckets up in a hurry in Gary Trent. And now you have one of the most efficient big men down low in, in Jacoperto. Like, you have enough talent to go 15 and 8. That's not ridiculous, Right. So the 15 and 8 puts them at what, like 43 and 39, kind of, I believe, would be their record. That that's I think could get them the sixth seed in the East. They're talented enough to do it. There's no reason they couldn't. Defense, Drew mentioned it. That's going to be the key. Can they play defense? So you're going to need them to play defense like they used to. You're going to need them to buy into Nick Nurse's system. And and like you remember when they used to look like they were on a string on D. Remember that? Like they need to buy into that and do that. You're Nick Nurse. To really reinvent himself in the sense that he's never been consistent with his rotations except when they're short. Like he's really good in the playoffs because in the playoffs you only use seven, eight guys. You can't do that in the regular season. You see Pascal Fred leading the league in, in minutes per game. That's not conducive to, to an 82-game season. So he needs no. to reinvent himself a little bit and be more consistent with his rotations. And if all of that happens, if all of that happens, they have a shot. The problem is if it doesn't, and they need to. Oh, sorry, you mentioned Fred Van Viet. And Fred, yes, he needs to be that that playmaker. We've talked about that enough, so I'm going to leave it alone. If all of those things happen, cool, they're there. The problem is the likelihood of them doing all that in a 23 game stretch when they haven't done it so far in 59 games, slim to none. And if I'm going to make my here's my hot take: if they don't move up from that 10th spot or worse, they fall. This is the last you're going to see of Nick Nurse in Toronto. Well, that was my next question here. First of all, when you mentioned CNN, I, I'm, I'm tired of everybody, you know, Barkley coming on and shot. We love Canada. We love Toronto, and they do. But everybody else couldn't give a crap about Toronto. They want to co- Oh, it's too cold. Oh, I got news for you. In Chicago, it's colder. Sorry, I mentioned Chicago, right? Chicago's colder. Minnesota's colder. Hey, dummy. This is for Gilbert Arenas, because I know he watches the show. Joey's a friend of yours. Gilbert Arenas, do you know what's uh, further north of Toronto? Portland. Look at a map. Toronto is south of Portland. If you look at the latitudes, buddy. Um, if, and I might. Sorry, I'm going to go on a rant about Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas, who says Toronto. I don't want to go up there. I got two, three thousand dollars a month in phone bills. Hey, dummy. Ten dollars a month. Rogers, Verizon, whichever one. You could have unlimited calling in North America. There you are. I just saved you three grand a month. Very much. Sorry. Go ahead. That, he he drives me nuts. He's yeah, and me his too. number is zero. That's that should. Agent Zero Rings is his name, yes. And that's all. And and you mentioned Nick Nurse, all right? And we talked about this, Drew. We talked about this, I don't know, three months ago. And Anthony, you were here about three weeks ago when we talked about, yes, he won the NBA championship. All right. Then what has he done? There's no, like you said, no cohesion. You have basically the same team 
from the time, except for Kawhi, all right, for, and Kyle Lowry, uh, from the time they won to now, it's basically the same th- team, and they have gone downhill a lot. No, well, you take away Kawhi. No, you, you, no, Kawhi, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, if, Marcus Salt. Like, there's a lot. It's a very different Ibaka. team. It's a very different team. Yeah, but if you're relying on Serge Ibaka and Danny Green, you got more problems than you know. Put it that way. Okay, so so it's like Kawhi, okay, and and Kyle Lowry, okay. Those are two big. But come on, you gotta go. You gotta step up with your youngsters, right? What and they they put themselves in a in a pigeonhole because I don't have to tell you, Drew. I'll start off with you. Who's the coach of Team Canada? Nick Nurse. And who's the only Canadian team in the National Basketball Association? The Toronto Raptors. Enough said, right? Do the yeah. Raptors? Say you're not good enough to coach the Raptors, but you're good enough to coach a national team. No, he well, probably loses both. Yeah, I mean that's a dilemma right there. I mean, obviously it's going to be hard for him to be disconnected to the Raptors and still be coaching the national team. There will be calls for him to step aside from that role. Uh, it could be that maybe he keeps that role, but remember, um, I'm sure there's other teams that would be interested in him if he was not here also. So if he's out of Toronto, most likely he's out of the national team for sure. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that, even that move, because I didn't feel he really knew all the strengths of all the Canadian players per se. Uh, and there was there were gaps there as far as what the guys who were put on the team actually could do and what they were allowed to do and that, that leash they were given do uh, based on their skill set. So uh, I think he needs a lot more to get uh, more affiliated uh, and more acclimated to the Canadian system, the Canadian players and talent we have. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm not, I got to give the guy props. He did bring us in uh, the Raptors a championship. Yes. Um, some might say some of that is on the backs of what Dwayne Casey kind of built up as well, but how much leeway do we give to Nick Nurse. I really have not seen a level of criticism that I saw for even uh, Sam Mitchell uh, back in the day. So I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, you know, why that isn't the case. Great guy. Obviously, he's had some amazing schemes, but now it's time, as, as Anthony said, he has to put up or shut up, bottom line, especially this last 23 games. It's a proving ground. Do we does, does the franchise have the confidence to go ahead and go forward with Nick Nurse? I, you know, I was, I don't mean to, I, I hope I didn't distract you as I was laughing. I was laughing because you're so politically correct. You were so nice. What you wanted to say, what you wanted to say was Nick Nurse was hired for Team Canada as a PR move. It wasn't because he was the best fit to be their coach. It was a great PR move. He was the the head coach of the Canadian team, Toronto Raptors, their NBA title. And he was very popular. And, oh, my God, he's doing everything wonderful. And it was a PR move and a good PR move. Don't get me wrong. But that's why he was hired. That being said, Nick Nurse absolutely built off what Dwayne Casey did. And I guess, you know, ifs, ands, or, you know, could have been, would have been, should have been. Does Dwayne Casey... Take that same team with Kawhi to the to the title. Maybe, maybe we don't know. We'll never know. It was Nick Nurse got in and got and got it done. And congratulate him and thank him. And you're right, great guy, great great coach, especially on the defensive end of the ball. But what confuses me is that what Toronto as an organization does so well, like I mean, maybe better than any other team, is develop their young players. If you look at 
the people that have gone through the 905 and they're and you know Siakam Van Vliet was undrafted. There's there's numerous colloquial pout like there's so many great players that they went that went through the Raptors system through that 905 system and became legit stars or really good role players in the NBA all because of that 905. So 905 does a great job. Toronto does a great job of developing players. Nick Nurse doesn't do a good job of giving them consistent minutes because as a young player who's developing, you need to know what's my role, right? Like, and that's, I think that's really the difference between a great coach in the NBA and then everybody else is that we ask certain players, there's one or two, maybe, maybe per team that have the ability to be a superstar or star caliber player. There's one or two max. The other 11 guys on that roster or 12 guys on that roster have to know their role and play their role to the best of their ability. But if you make that role inconsistent, if you change that role, if you don't make it clear what their role is, they're not they're going to fail. So it's it's weird to see that 905 does this great job of developing a player and then it just kind of falls apart. Right. A guy like Coloco, I think. I think part of his frustration is that is, hey, I'm I'm being developed to do this, but now I'm on the court and one day I'm doing this, the other day I'm doing that, then I'm not playing, and it, I'm it's not confusing. So concerned. You make some amazing points, and I we've talked about this, Joe, many times. That synergy, that synchronicity between the 905 and having a G League team, you know, within arm's reach of your pro team to the point where some days you can have them play in both leagues. Uh, it, which is incredible. But yeah, that fall off or that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a disconnect between. Much like the Raptors. Yeah, but what they preach and how they're unified on the 905, then, I mean, look at Mal- Malachi Flynn and his father. Malachi Flynn's father called out Nurse last year, basically saying, like, what is going on? This kid is a point guard. I mean, we've seen him over the summer score 50 plus points in pro-am games, which obviously are not NBA games, but they still have talent there. So, you know, you look at a guy like Flynn and you look at where he came from and what accolades he had at the collegiate level, and he's a mature player. He's not like a young player. I would think he could come right in, guys, and fit in to the Raptors system because they usually don't necessarily play young guys a whole lot all the time. Yeah, Scotty's a bit different. He's a point forward he can dribble up the ball he can do a lot um but you see again now um the way that scotty's game has come down and again the injuries forced a lot of changes in the lineup but also where is that consistency where's the confidence in the players that want to play this game for the raptors so they need they need to get a hold of that and they really need to instill better confidence in these players because they don't know from one game, as you said, Anthony, are they playing, are they playing big minutes or not? Two things uh, you guys mentioned and, and great points by you guys with uh, Nick nurse, a uh, great PR stunt, but also Anthony forgot somebody <laughs> in Canadian basketball likes him playing guitar, loves him playing guitar. I know this for a fact. <laughs> and second of all, I thought you were laughing because you wanted, you sent me a text. You wanted me, you and drew to, basically draft draft the all-star team what a bunch of hooey this was the all-star game all right (laughs) even let's let's talk about super saturday or nba saturday night anthony okay we talked about how you were going to watch nba uh, all-star saturday night i was going to watch elimination chamber sammy Zayn in montreal and everything like that and then you had 
a G League player steal the show? Or did, in your opinion, did he steal the show? He was the only. He was the only bright spot of. He was the only bright spot of the weekend. He was the he, Mac McClung. Can I? I need to rewind just really, really fast, just quickly on Malachi Flynn. You brought in another little guard, right? We brought in another little guard because he can shoot threes, and you don't put him in a position where he's getting open threes to shoot him. So I just you should have just drafted Desmond Bain. He was the next pick in the draft. Just pick him, then at least get some defense. But anyways, the All Star Weekend was the worst. All it was just the worst All Star game ever. It wasn't just the the lowest viewed All Star game ever. It was the worst All Star Weekend ever. And 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 I'm listen. I'm not even blaming the NBA. Utah, Salt Lake City. I'm not even blaming the boring Utah. Have you ever spent any time in Utah? I've never been to Utah, no. I, I was driving from, let me rem- let me remember. I was driving from, De- I lived in Denver and I was moving to San Francisco. And I drove Denver to Utah, spent a couple of days, and then San Francisco. That two days was the longest three weeks of my life. <laughs> that was the most boring. I just... What do you so, do there? Look at the mountains. Anymore. The mountains look great. They're beautiful. <laughs> They're beautiful. The salt lake, the sands, whatever. Yeah. Those beautiful. Like as, as far as scenery goes, it was great. Um, uh, you know, my co-host on Fluent and Chill, uh, Chill Jermaine Womack played university ball in at Utah, and and he he'll tell you there's nothing to do. It was great. We never got in trouble because there was literally nothing to do. I'm not even going to blame Utah. So if the NBA is not to blame and Utah's not to blame, who's to blame? Oh, it's the players. The players are 100% to blame because they don't care. I saw Jordan Clarkson go out to a horrible skills challenge, by the way. that Maybe that is the NBA. They should go back to one-on-one versus these teams. What are the No offense to the Antetokounmpo's. I love them all. They have not enough skill to be doing a skills competition. I guess another PR stunt, but they're not skillful. Please give me a break. But they didn't care. I saw Jordan Clarkson walk out there to the skills challenge like, I don't care you know, chain bobbing around and blah, blah. And he's laughing and he's missing shots. You're missing three free throws? Dude, three jumpers from the free throw. They couldn't hit a free throw jumper? My eight-year-old can hit a free throw jumper if you give him three tries. It was embarrassing to see that they, they didn't, didn't have the care. right coaching. The coach they, of the year wasn't there. You're, you're right, but they didn't. They didn't care enough. And the big stars don't show up because they don't want to be embarrassed because they're scared of what's going to happen on social media if someone crosses them over, or breaks their ankles, or you know, heaven forbid, someone who's a lesser player than me beats me in a dunk off. And you had a guy signed. He's a G League player. He shouldn't have even been there. They the Pistons. No, who who signed him? Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Philadelphia signs him just so he can compete. Let's be honest. He's not going to be on that roster. They just signed him so he can compete in the dunk contest. Well, then then, then do what I said, which is bring in G-leaguers, bring right. in right. The, the guys who just dunk for a living. So at least it's entertaining. I at was least thinking they about that when, you, when, he, when I saw him. I was thinking exactly what you had said. Yeah. On. Because it's- you know what? Have Do this. Have LeBron James, John Morant, Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, Dr. J, sit there and be the five judges. Mm -hmm. Vince Carter, whoever. Have those guys, have the NBA's greatest dunkers be the the judges. And let the, what a thrill for a guy who, that's what he does for a living is dunks the basketball to come to an NBA stadium in front of all these fans and have Michael Jordan, Vince Carter, and LeBron James judging my dunk contest. And and I said, the winner gets the $100,000, keep that the same, and a 10-day contract to the host city. So the Utah Jazz give him a ten day contract. Let's see what you can do. It's it's just G League. It's ten day. It's the, you're only going to practice. You're not going to. 
You can do that. No problem. What a great opportunity. You're going to get the best dunkers. You're going to see those 720s, those full somersault dunks that we see in these highlight videos. But in front of the world stage, I, I think that makes it more entertaining. Guys don't want to do it. Fine. Either that or scrap the whole All-Star game because it's horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. All right. So ratings were bad. First. Okay. The All-Star game, I've been a big proponent for hockey to make the females play with the males. Uh, you know, Marie Philippe Poulin played with Sidney Crosby and all that. I know that WNBA is not in season, but it can't be any worse than what we've seen Sunday here because that was crap beyond crap. All right. What would you change and make the All Star game when we saw Kobe against against uh, Michael Jordan the last years and they played actually defense for more than two minutes a game? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I think it's hard because even when you look at the dunk off, and I was so looking forward to Shaden being in there, and I really thought I didn't think anybody could beat him. I've seen that kid dunk for many, many years. Uh, from the high school ranks all the way up. Um, and that's the thing. When you don't get your best players, when you don't get the John Morantz in the dunk off and you don't have your best shooters necessarily, all of them in the shoot in, in the three-point shootout, there is a letdown there. And the game has to be competitive. I mean, it, it, it's not that, you know, we hope anybody gets injured, but that was actually embarrassing. Like watching that game, it made no sense because – even before, guys, years passed, it wasn't a free layup line. Guys were trying to stay in front of guys, make it a little bit difficult. What I saw there was absolutely, it was ridiculous. It didn't make any sense. And then even with the Elam ending, I found, well, they've changed it, whatever they've called it, the Kobe ending. I've seen more excitement, way more excitement for CEBL Elam ending games where it means a lot to win. Maybe they got to put incentives back in. Maybe it's an extra 50K per player. Maybe it's, it's something. make a difference for no, an all-star who's making 10 million, say. 30, it's 20 not really, million. Well, maybe it goes to charity. Maybe it goes to their favorite charity. But you got to have, you got to talk to the guys. You have to say, look, we have to play this like a game. Like, yes, it's all-star weekend, but it has to be played like a game or else. I, it's I, go, I go back to what I said, though. They won't because they're afraid if they like if they play tough and someone crosses them up that it's going to be on social media forever. And and it's, you, to your point of staying in Your front of brand. them, it was so embarrassing. Yeah, it ruins their brand. It was so embarrassing to see. I, I forget who. I wish I remembered who it was, but I I just I got so angry. I was just I stopped. But like I believe someone someone gets the ball just two steps behind the free throw line. There's a guy in front of him playing defense, and it's almost like oh oops, I didn't mean to, and just opened up and let him just go in. Open up, yeah. I'm yeah. like, hold on. What do you mean? Oops, you were playing defense by mistake. It, it was just it was. That's why people turned it off. And and you know what's going to happen people the players don't realize this what happens if people stop watching the all-star game because it's like that then all viewership starts to snowball down it's a snowball effect right then what happens well then the tv deal gets smaller well then the salary cap goes down then your pay goes down like let's not remember let's not forget excuse me michael jordan was making 30 33 million dollars a year in 97 98 his last two seasons in the nba which was more than the team salary cap let's remember that right and then what happens in the early 2000s? It becomes so defensive and so slow that viewership goes down. Mm -hmm. When was the next time someone made $30 million in a year? Do you know how many years it took until that happened again? Right? right? Because it wasn't until 04 that ESP 
ESPN, ABC puts in like $2.4 billion in TV revenue to the team, and then salaries start to increase again. Go look at the highest paid player after Jordan in 97, 98, or before. It's like this drop-off, and then it rebuilds up again. That'll happen again, and and that's not good for the growth of the game. Mm-mm. And, and let, let me ask you this. With baseball, they do the All-Star game, and the winner gets the— Don't you dare say that. Don't yeah. you dare say that. I will I will I will hit end on this stream right now if you dare say that. <laughs> I'm not saying compare it to baseball, but basically the, now they draft and all that. What happens with good East versus West? Where even when you had East versus West, it wasn't total defense, but it was some defense in there. You were proud to play with Portland, with the Raptors, with Washington. You wanted and the East Conference, let's say whoever wins. Gets a million dollars, gets two million, gets and also I'm not gonna say it, but you know what I'm gonna say there. Gets that extra game or whatever. I know baseball is is screwed in some other ways or whatever, but what happens? You gotta think. They say they're creative. They do the slam dunks and and what happened with the three point lines and everything like that. You gotta this All Star game and picking. It's a novelty one year. Now they picked it live, and you see Jokic, which is the MVP, is almost the last player taken. He thought he was last. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why he walked the up. MVP, he thought he was last. Two-time two no, but- MVP, and he's the last You're telling me. Jokic shouldn't even be in the All-Star game. He's not He's not the type of player, unless he's going to play a point guard. He's not he really the type the of player for an All-Star game. He, he said that himself. He yeah, said. he doesn't suit the game at all. And guess and guess what? It's gonna get worse. Just think about it. As Curry, Dame, um, LeBron start to phase out, you're gonna have Jokic and 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 Luca. Those guys aren't all-star game type of like maybe they can pass and make it flashy, but they're not up and down athletes that are fun to watch per se. Um there's there's really the East West thing though, Joe, to your thing though, the problem was one conference got a lot better than the other. And it wasn't competitive anymore because all the stars were on one side, which is why they started to do this. The pr- and so, yeah, that'll come in ebbs and flows. But I think that's why they tried something new. I don't know. It, still, if the players aren't, comp- if the players don't want to play, if the players don't aren't competitive, this game could have been competitive. Mm-hmm. Both teams have tons of talent. They just chose not to. That's the problem. But how do you get them to do that? I don't or, do know. They, or do they go world versus USA, which is what people are saying? Maybe that might rejuvenate. But if they don't, if they don't play, comp- if they still just let layup lines, what? It's so, still so then it's just a boring game again, right? I'll start mm-hmm. off with Anthony here. Does this diminish fifty-five points from Tatum? Fifty-five points from Tatum. Is that what he scored in the All Star game? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know. That's how little interest it was. Yeah, of course it diminishes. Of course, well, they're not playing any D. Of course, you just yeah. I mean, it means nothing. His his fifty five points in that All Star game was as as impressive as Malachi Flynn's fifty two in a pro am game. He scored twenty seven yeah. points in the I think second or third quarter. It's like who he was the MVP yet because <laughs> stat line fifty five points. Why don't they have if they want to put some like you said G League player or rookie? Have them on the floor or have the ladies on the floor. At least give me something that we could see. Everybody, everybody could have drew with his torn Achilles, could have dunked and could have had four points. Once he had four points, I would smack him around. All right. So let's go to the biggest trade in uh, the trade deadline was Kevin Durant. Apparently, he's going to be available to play March 1st for Phoenix. All right. If, like you said, 
the West is open. Now, does this mean, I'll start off with Drew, who's your call in the West now that you know uh, Chris Paul, Booker, uh, Durant, is it Phoenix or is it somebody else? Is it Denver? Who is it? I mean, it's still Golden State to me. I don't know. If, if If they're in the playoffs, to me, you still have to go through Golden State. You just still have to beat them. They're the champs. They're the guys that basically, if they're healthy, the man, you have to beat the man. You have to beat the man. If they're healthy, doesn't matter what position they're in. I give it to Golden State until somebody knocks them off. But if it, what's up next after Golden State? Obviously, Denver has been there. Can they do it? Can Jamal Murray stay healthy? Can the rest of their uh, players stay healthy to go along with Joker to win it? And then I would say. Third would be the Suns, if they can put it together. Their uh, success is key and contingent on their health, especially that of the playoff guy who goes down all the time uh, in CP3. So uh, those are my picks there coming out, but I still think it has to go through the Golden State Warriors if they can get into that playoff spot uh, and and be there and be healthy. Anthony, is, is this the last chance for CP3 this year and maybe next year? Oh, for CP3, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I don't think he's in the league in three years. So this year and next year, probably that's that's it um, for him, which is which is good. He's on a team now where he should be the fourth option. This is a team where he should really go into old man mode and be like, hey, I'm going to feed KD, Book, and even Aiton and get them going. Like, I, I, I want to have 20 assists more than I want to have 20 points. That should be his mentality going into this. Will he do that? I don't know. Is he capable of doing it? A hundred percent. I just don't. My thing with Phoenix is this. Yes, I agree with Drew. Look, it's as long as Golden State's in the playoffs, you got to go through the defending champs. I, I'm a strong believer in that. That being said, Denver, is Denver legit? Are they frauds? Like they've never been together long enough. And, you know, they're just, we don't know what to expect from them. We know that Jokic, picks up his game in the playoffs statistically but he only had murray i think that one year in the bubble right that's all we ever saw them together so you know there's a big question mark in denver memphis so that's memphis was my preseason pick but they got to be consistent and they're not um like they're still second in the west it's not people are just just discounting them because after that thing with uh Shay Shay, um, getting thrown out of the lounge. They, you know, they've been really up and down. The Kings, do we trust the Kings? No, this, that's why I say the West is wide open. Do we trust the Clippers? Heck no. The San Diego paper clips are who never know what to expect. Do you, Dallas, do you think Kyrie and Luca with no defense are going anywhere? Right? New Orleans, is Zion healthy? If, if he is, maybe if he's not, no. Minnesota. The best news they got was I believe Cat might not be might not be coming back because with Cat and Gobert, they were terrible. It took Cat getting hurt for them to figure it out and get better. So yeah, I, I think Golden State's the only team again, but are they healthy? Right? You say KD's gonna come back on March first. Which KD is it? If it's the KD from the first half of this season who was playing defense, scoring at an all-time efficient rate, like sixty plus percent from the mid-range, like he was ridiculous the first half of this season. If it's that guy. It'd be hard to beat the Suns if it's a guy who's coming off an injury who might get injured again. It's literally wide. Oh, there's there's no I, I don't even have an answer for you for the first time. I'm not more fluent. I don't know. I don't know. So I'll stick with Golden State. Why not? 
Where to beat the man! You gotta beat the man! That's all I can say. All right, be quiet. I'll give you the figure four. Now, oh, look. Uh, here, here we, 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 we got a couple minutes left, so let's uh, t- take it to uh, Canadian basketball. You're the captain Canada. I still need white royalties for it. Tell us what's happening, Canadian basketball, and anything else. Go ahead. Well, it's funny uh, you mentioned Canadian basketball. Shea was a bit upset, too. <laughs> when we talk about no defense, he was upset that there wasn't any defense. And then when he went into, I think, throw down, LeBron <laughs> tried to block him. And I'm just wondering if that had something to do with Shea going into L.A. and basically pummeling the Lakers on uh, LeBron's big night. I think that might have been uh, key to figure out where that kind of energy came from on defense for them. Uh, Canada, they just uh, named their uh, players for the window six of the FIBA uh, World Cup qualifiers. They've already qualified. They sit undefeated right now. Here's some of the names. Trey Bell-Haynes, Javon Blair, Kenny Cherry, Cadre Gray, Connor Morgan, Prince Aduro, Lloyd Pandy, Chad Postumus, Jackson Rowe, Phil Scrub, Thomas Scrub, Khalif Young, headed up by uh, Nate Bjorkin and Nate Mitchell, as well as Mike Meeks and Philip Jeftovich. So they've already qualified for the World Cup this year, but you know, because of the way they've had the commitments, guys, from guys like Cherry and Javon and Trey, uh, Cadre, this, uh, the continuity with Team Canada has remained so strong. Uh, this is the best we've ever had as far as talent top to bottom, as far as being able to field teams that can win games without their NBA players. Uh, and come this summer, it's going to be interesting to find out. I'm sure we'll have a couple shows on it. Who in the NBA, which NBA players will not make the cut for Team Canada for World Championships? And hopefully they will qualify for the Olympics for 2024 next year in Paris. So excited to see what's going to happen this year in Canada basketball. And just uh, I got to go. I got to run out of here soon. So just to let you guys know, it's uh, On Point Basketball on Facebook, Instagram, and also Drew Ebanks on Twitter. Yes, Anthony. I want to ask you a question. And if, if thirty seconds, um, speaking of Canadian basketball, what do you know? I got this sent to me this morning, so I haven't had time to look. What do you know about? I believe his name is Zach Aday. From uh, he plays for Purdue. He's a seven foot oh, plus yep. big man. Zach Aday. Um, yep. Yep. Edie? I know okay. him a lot. I mean, I've covered him in the high school. He will win the Naismith Player of the Year Award, uh, the most dominant big man in a long time uh, for Purdue, the Boilermakers, uh, Coach Painter. Uh, they've been ranked, uh, you know, number one at times this season, um, you know, suffered a few kind of odd losses there. But Zach Eady is just a dominant force, Anthony, on both ends of the floor. Only took up basketball a few years ago after yeah, playing he was a baseball, baseball player, right? Yeah. After playing baseball, North Toronto was discovered. Um, and now to see his improvement, even over the last two years, Anthony has been absolutely incredible. Plays within himself, is a dominant force, can score inside. I mean, how do you stop the kid now? The only question is with the NBA draft, you know the game has moved away from yeah. big. That's why center. I was gonna. That's my question because I see him as a projected second rounder, undrafted player. How is that even possible? Unreal. The game's changed. It's all about shooting, and and you know he's got a bit of a mid range jump shot there. But obviously, I think the questions about uh, Zach are: Can he play defense in the NBA? As far as being able to help hedge and recover uh, and get back in position. Remember, in the NBA, it's so wide open. You have so much space. 
and spacing, how is he going to fare? But if and you look 70, at 70% pick and roll, which they'll probably try to put him into a lot, right? They'll put him into a lot. But, man, for what he's done and, and to think, you know, he'll probably – I think for sure he's going to be Nate Smith player of the year. An accomplishment either way. And he'll play pro somewhere. Uh, on, I think he'll seven ultimately four, be right? in the seven NBA. 7-3, three, 7-4? Seven 7-4, four? Seven four, yes. At least 7-4, seven seven four? Four, yeah. He'll play somewhere. I'm whether taking it's here a chance. Or I'm taking a chance on a guy that's 7-4 that can score inside so and defense. Drew, big ups to you, first of all. I want you to get that guy on the show with me and Anthony and you here. You got Okay, I'll, let me I'll try to request it. Let's see if we can but get it. What do you requested? You're Captain Canada. And, and <laughs> if you're not Captain, tell them the president of the provinces of Canada, the mayor of North, North elect of North. Let America. him go work on it, Joe. Let him go work yeah, on it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to definitely right, get Zach here. how to get a hold of you again, uh, Ebanks. On Big basketball, up to Basketball.com, Drew Ebanks on Twitter. Uh, great to be here, guys. Always a great show. All right, Fluent, go ahead before Drew hangs up. It's right there, sports underscore Fluent. That's TikTok, Twitter, and IG. Or you can just go to sportsfluent.com, and it has links to bring you to any, anywhere you want to go. So check out sportsfluent.com, and uh, give me a follow on TikTok. I'm on my path to 100K. Let's go. And that's the coach of the year, soon to be an NBA all-star game coach. Drew Ebanks is the only person that's clapping in the world. Drew. Hey, shout out, shout out one more thing. We got our Give him a big national, ups, Drew. Give him a big ups. We got our national junior circuit this weekend, so check it out in Oshawa at the Sportsplex and all our circuit championships March 9th to 11th out in Oshawa as well. And congrats to Coach Anthony. We got to get up there soon and talk to some of these little, little guys and uh, give them a little bit of shine on the On Point Network. There sure. we go. Thank you, sir. That's been NBA Jump Ball. Thank you, Anthony, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Well, that was the NBA Jump Ball featuring Drew Ebanks, Captain Canada, and Anthony K. Sports Fluent. Of course, the Raptors played the New Orleans Pelicans uh, right now at the Scotiabank Arena. We'll get into that in a little later on. But uh, we're going to be joined by the grizzled young veteran who's coming off a snowstorm here in, in Toronto. And uh, he he really likes the snow. He TTC driver. He's used to driving in the snow and everything like that. I think he hates the snow, but whatever. So we're talking about, in case you don't know who we're talking about, Marty Roberts, the grizzled young veteran, the TTC driver, the used to be rookie of the year. Now he's the grizzled young veteran. Marty Roberts hopefully will be chiming in here in a couple seconds. But till he comes in, I'll give you a scoreboard update in the NBA, NHL, and other leagues. So NHL, first of all, Edmonton beating Marty Roberts' team 4-1. Five minutes left to go in the second. 2-2, 10 minutes in the second. Buffalo leads Tampa. Where's Steve Carney when you need him? 4-2. The Kings shutting out the Devils, 2-0. Also 2-0, Minnesota beating Columbus. Detroit, 2. Rangers, 1. And the others are at 10 o'clock. And just one before I get to Marty here. NBA, the Raptors, halftime, lead the Pelicans, 52-45. Marty Roberts. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Joseph. Wait a minute. Hold on. What's in behind you here? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, Marty, Marty, you don't want to put the your head between the legs, all right? Don't, don't put the head <laughs> between the legs there, all right? That's where it just goes, Joseph. 
Yeah, well, that's your problem, not mine. All right, so so here we go. Today, snowstorm, and you hate the snow. Like as a TTC driver, because you're you're one of the best TTC driver, the only TTC driver I know, and that one of the best TTC drivers, unless you piss them off. But are you? Do you get used to days like this, driving the snow, waking up five o'clock, snow, leaving? You know, it's night, and and like take us through your mindset. Because you hate the snow. Joe, I hate, when it's snowing, I hate driving in this crap. I really do. It's nothing but a pain. Snow's a pain. Snow's a pain. Why? A pain. When, who shoveled the snow today, Marty, at your house? I, sho I shovel it with the snowblower. <laughs> you shovel it with the snowblower. Again, your head's between somebody's legs. All right? So <laughs> there it is. You're, you're used to that position. All right? But honestly... Do they tell you at the TTC? I know it's not sports, but we'll get into a second. But do they tell you at the TTC drive carefully? If your bus breaks down, you gotta wait, or do they give you added instructions? No, they they send a little message saying to uh, bad weather on the way, drive careful, pay attention to all your surroundings, uh, be safe. Now, which should be pretty obvious when you're driving in that, and you have public on your bus it should be pretty obvious but there is people out there that drive like idiots and and don't pay attention don't slow down in the snow so no, it's not like skiing that you you want to go fast skiing you want to go fast have you ever skied i skied probably about five or six times in my lifetime the first time i ever skied was cross-country skiing it was the worst experience of my life i Why? hated it. it was too much effort too much effort too much Wait a minute. You this ski. is a famous pitcher. When you so you're when you're pitching, you don't give effort. When you're driving a TTC bus, you're not giving effort. Yeah, but at least I can see the results. Me cross country skiing, there's no results. It's just me getting tired and staying in some stupid track along the trails. No benefit whatsoever. So I couldn't do it. Marty Roberts is is driving a TTC bus like driving, uh, let's say, a FedEx truck. Stop, no, no, no. start, See, stop, start, stop. Well, and, and what, what a lot of people don't understand about the bus is most vehicles, their wheels are in front of you when you're turning. On a TTC bus or on a chartered bus, the wheels are behind you. So you have to make sure you're clear where you're going to turn because if you, wait, if you go too soon, you're going to hit a pole or up on a curb or hitting someone standing there. So you got to remember that, that the wheels are behind where you sit in the driver's seat. Do you have a perfect record uh, at driving a bus? I do. I do. Really? After how yeah. many years? 23 years. 23. So you're 0 for 23. I'm 23 and 0. Not 0 and 23. 23 and 0. 23 and 0. All right. So what was the worst, worst storm or whatever? you Was it like a day like today or was it worse in the 23 years that you've been driving a bus? Yeah, last year in January... I sat on Wilson Avenue, not January moving. 14th, by the way. I yeah. still remember that. January not moving, 14th. Not moving, sitting on Wilson Avenue for six and a half hours stuck in the snow. And you never even called me. You know, the, the good thing about that was there's people that were bringing all the uh, buses that were stranded there. They were bringing us coffee and food. So that was showing the good side of Toronto um, during that time, which was nice. But, man, that was the worst one in 23 years. Uh, sitting on Wilson Avenue for six and a half hours. 
coffee and and donuts. You must have had a celebration in like 19, <laughs> 1999, Marty. You go to Tim Hortons or what? There was nowhere you could go. I was straight. There was nothing around me except for people's houses. So you went to people's houses? Yep. Well, they came to me. I didn't go. They came up from their house and, and brought it to the bus. So what was the best thing you got? Well, I got I got coffee, muffin, and, and then a bunch of uh, younger people brought us bags. They went to the dollar store down the street and made bags of food in it and gave each one of the drivers it that was stranded there. Wow. Wow. So that, that turned out from your worst day to one of your best days. Yep. Yep. All right, so let's get to a little bit of sports before we are joined by a special guest. Let's talk about, like I mentioned, Edmonton beating your team, Pittsburgh. Are you uh, concerned? Uh, you know, we're about a month and a half away from uh, the uh, you know playoffs. Are you concerned about Pittsburgh? Yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning right now because I think they're on the outside. I think Florida is now ahead of them for that second uh, wild card, final yeah. wild card spot, right? So they. You know, losing four one tonight to Edmonton, they're not they're not looking very good at all. I don't know if there's going to be any moves made at the deadline. He's going to have to, like Hexel's going to have to do something to get this team into the playoffs. If that's what his goal is, obviously his goal he signed, you know, Melkin and Latang this offseason. so his goal was to to have this team get to the playoffs. So they have to pick it up now. Jari's back. You know, they live with the Smith for a bit. We'll see. They're they're on the outside looking in right now. So guys like Crosby, Melkin, you know that that number one line has been playing pretty good. Raquel, um, Crosby, and and Gensel, they've been pretty playing pretty good on that first line. Melkin has to pick it up a little bit. So we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. All right. So quickly, we'll go to uh, Blue Jays. They start well in the Major League Baseball. Some minor league games started today and all that but blue jays start saturday uh and i'm wondering if their blue jays are going to show any progress for rogers center there because every you know once every two weeks three weeks they show it because we're we're about um, two months away or about six weeks away from the opening of the new rogers center april 10th april 11th against detroit the home opener um you know i'm wondering if the blue jays will do it but also they, uh, I feel bad for a guy like Ben Wagner. Ben Wagner, who's been here all the time, now has to do radio broadcast on the road from a screen like we do. So he could be between somebody's legs and calling balls and strikes. Marty? Yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I, I, it used to be better, these guys going to the game, because they're, they're going to be calling the game. They can't see everything that's happening at the field. They only get to see the same as what I get to see on the screen. So I don't get to see what happened outside the screen. Whereas if you're at the park, you get to see it. He can talk to you about it. I don't know if with the Rogers Center, I don't think we'll see it all until that day. They'll give us a little bit, but the full picture, you won't see, I don't think, until that first day back when they're uh, at their home uh, opener. So I think you'll get little bits, but you won't get the full gist of it until you see the, the team take the field on I don't know whether they nine game road, yeah, on the yeah. on the road to start, yeah, to start the and by the way, by the way, I'm gonna reveal two interesting things here. All right, tomorrow, twelve thirty, we got the world famous soccer show 
where we do an MLS preview like you've never seen before. MLS means Major League Soccer, Marty, where the Toronto FC plays out of, all right? That's tomorrow. Next Friday, next Friday, March 3rd, Marty Roberts has been signed, sealed, delivered. I gave him a donut, all right? Signed, sealed, delivered. We begin 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. NHL trade deadline. Marty Roberts will be contacted contact ever all his friends in Pittsburgh. They even and they said that I I got this under good authority that Marty Roberts going to talk about Pittsburgh wearing a new jersey. That's what they said to me, Marty. Is that true or not? Are you going to wear the Toronto 6 jersey Kipling? Are you going to wear I'm, I'm still waiting for my Toronto 6 jersey. Oh my god, Taylor Woods. Justin Levine, where are you when you need? Justin, get him a Toronto 6 jersey or else you're going to have your head shaved by Marty Roberts, all right? But anyways, trade deadline day will be all over trade deadline day. And and I'm endeavoring to get tickets to give away for the Blue Jays home opener in April. Wait a minute. It gets even better. As you know, April 1st, no fooling. April 2nd, WrestleMania 39. Marty, well, you had to take it down, Joseph, right there. You had to start with the Blue Jays, and then you bring in WrestleMania. No, no, no. Marty Rob, it's in L.A., SoFi Stadium. Marty Roberts, I got news for you. You will not be attending. But somebody <laughs> from the Fired Up Network just may, just may be attending if they do all their work they need to be. And I'm giving a shout-out to some guy named Freedas. All right. So, Marty Marty Roberts, are are you excited about WrestleMania? Did I hear right that there there might be a, a Stone Cold Steve Austin sighting what? again? What? I think so. I, I think there might be that that sighting again. You, you must have heard that from from that concert you were at last night. What's the concert you were at last night? I was at um, Thomas you know, Rhett. He loves Stone Cold Steve Austin, that guy. He loves Stone Cold Steve Austin. But, but Marty, I know you're disappointed. We'll be having uh, Giancarlo Alino after this segment talking about it. But I know you're disappointed. Sami Zayn did not win the title in his hometown of Montreal, Quebec, Canada against Roman Reigns. Give me your thoughts on that one, Marty. Uh, which one is Sammy? That's the, the red-headed red guy. guy. Red beard, red hair. I don't like him. <laughs> All right, so we're just waiting for a special guest. Yeah, he's, Char Charlie's having some issues with the with the the connection, so he's he's trying again to see um, if he can get in. All right, so you want to tell everybody before he comes in uh, who uh, Charlie Beatty is? Yeah, Charlie Beatty is uh, 15 years old. He's on uh, the Ski Canada, the youngest ever to be on that team. I think he was 14 when he was uh, – I guess they – they, we'll ask Charlie when he comes on here. But I think they have to go to some, like, tryout, and they look, and they, you know, sort of like anything, and, and they decide, hey, yes, we want this person. No, we don't want this guy. And he uh, he made it at 14. He's now 15, and all looks towards going to the Olympics in – I think it's in Italy in two more years, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's been doing this since he was a little, a little guy. He, he actually was – I used to coach his, one of his brothers at baseball, and Charlie was the bat boy for for a few games. I think I scared him off. That's why he went to skiing. 
Well, you know, we we should talk more about skiing, and I'm I'm anxious to have uh, Charlie on here because, you know, we talk about hockey and and baseball and football in Canada or whatever. Marty, can can I ask you a question? And maybe we should ask uh, Charlie that. But do they get any sponsorship for skiing? And how much do they do they get paid? You you mentioned he won he won a, a championship and all that. Did he get paid for that, or did he get a gold medal and see you later? I think that when they go to these events, they get some type of money, not an awful lot. Like I, I think the, the, the ski Canada at least is, is not very good at um, paying their, their athletes. And yes, they all have sponsors. I don't know. Charlie can, uh, once he comes on, he'll be able to mention his sponsors, but they don't get anywhere near what these other sports, when you're representing Canada, you think you would get, you know, and we've seen it with, with, other sports as well that don't like what they're getting paid. Not everything is the same as hockey in, in, in this country. That's for sure. Whereas hockey is, is top notch and everyone else is falls underneath there. So, you know, guys like Charlie have to pay for their own way when they go to their events and, you know, to win, it probably just covers your expenses. Wow. That's something we, we should talk about. And I'm wondering, and may I'll wait for Charlie, but you know, we talked about last week here, uh, the ladies' soccer team. And Charlie's coming in uh, right now here. So uh, there you go. I'll let you have the first question. Yes. Hey. Peace. Peace. Do you know you're on with Marty Roberts, man? Look at him. Yeah, yeah. Look going? where his head is between some skis. Come on. He's Charlie, going. you're you're gonna you're gonna stress your mom out by not getting on at the right time. She's gonna be freaking out right now in her car. You this, know this, right? This Wi-Fi has given us huge troubles, man. It's it's ridiculous, but I'm on. <laughs> you you made it on. Thank you. you made it on, Charlie. It's good. We were, right. we were just talking about you being, uh, you know, the youngest member of Ski Can. I believe it was at 14 years old. You were you were named to the team. You're now 15. How did that process work for you to get on Team Canada? Was it a trial you had to go to? Mm-hmm. Did they watch yeah. your events? How did how did it happen? Yeah. So uh, last season, uh, I did com- competition, and then uh, I think it was last spring, uh, around April time. Uh, I got a message from the Canadian freestyle team and they wanted me to come out to Whistler and, um, you know, just kind of ski with them and um, kind of like a tryout thing, um, just get like strength tests done and um, just ski with the guys and with the coaches. And uh, so I did that, super low expectations and uh, just they gave me a shout and wanted me on the team. So. That's pretty much how it all went down. All right. So I'm going to ask you here a couple questions. Marty says you're 14, 15. When you're growing up in Canada, you grow up with a hockey stick, not a, yeah, a skiing yeah. uh, stick and all that. What made you, at what age did you want to try out skiing? And are you, did you ever try out for, for hockey or baseball? Marty said uh, you were the bat boy when he was uh, managing. I got to ask you. Yeah, yeah. I got to ask you how he, how was he was the manager? Like I got to ask you that. But go ahead. Yeah. Uh yeah. I um, like you said, I played baseball a little bit when I was younger. I grew up. Uh, my older brother played a lot of baseball, so um, obviously you're trying to follow his track a little bit. But uh, yeah, I did play hockey uh, up until I was the age of twelve, I think. I uh, played pretty high level hockey and then uh, picked up skiing too when I was younger as well. So um, skiing picked up as well. Um, and then I kind of had to make a decision on what I wanted to do. So um, 
it was hard for sure at that moment being super young just uh things were getting too busy too expensive uh so um i just went with skiing because um i really found like my love in skiing and i i really loved doing it more than hockey at that time so i'm pretty glad that i did that but yeah i did grow up playing lots of other sports skiing doesn't get the notoriety like like hockey exactly, and yeah. all that right but like and then we talked before you came on with me and marty here about you know sponsorships if you're if you're connor uh, mcdavid you got mm-hmm. sponsorship coming out of your hat there right yeah, but what, yeah. about, uh, what about for skiing do you have a lot of sponsors or do you have any sponsors and do they take care like they said the marty said the championships are in italy or, or somewhere else so yeah. do, do they take care of uh, you traveling to Italy and everything like that? Go ahead, give your your shout out uh, sponsorship, and if it's yeah, Gatorade, yeah. I get Gatorade for life. All right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I have I have a few sponsors. Um, just from anywhere from gear to just support for travel as well. Um, uh, first off, I want to give a huge shout out to um, HGC Investments. Those guys, um, Brett Lindros. Um, you know, Sean Keller, those guys in that business, uh, they've been super helpful with travel expenses and just kind of get me a head start on this season. So, uh, yeah, those guys have been super helpful. They've been have my back for a while now. And um, also with gear like line skis, full tilt boots, um, kind of just supplying me with skis and what I need to kind of travel um, to make sure I have the right equipment and um Rip Curl Canada as well has been super helpful. Um, just like gear like this stuff, um, outerwear, making sure I'm nice and warm on the hill. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then I have a couple more. I have uh, Corbett Snow, which is local ski shop. They're based out of Collingwood and Oakville. And uh, they've been helping me a lot with just anything I need, really just bindings, kind of the stuff you, you really need, but you can't find all the time. They've been super helpful with supplying me with that stuff. And um, one more I have is Muskoka Woods. They've been super helpful with also traveling expenses as well. So that's been huge. And just give me a place to go and hang out with friends. And that camp is unreal. I don't know if you ever heard about it, but definitely yeah, check yeah. it out. It's huge. Yeah, check out Muskoka Woods. Or, all right. So I got to ask you this. We, we got Marty here. I, I called them the grizzled young veteran there. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't look bad for 62, right? He still could throw exactly. that, that fastball, maybe 84 miles an hour or whatever. How yeah, was he yeah. uh, as a manager? You were the, He said you were the bat boy. Was he – like, tell me a story. Did he ever go, I guess, berserk in one call or whatever? Because I, no, so I want to see that. Should be obvious. It should be obvious. He was a bat boy. And he decided to be a skier. That should be obvious that I scared him away from the game of baseball. That should be obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, dude. I don't, I don't remember too much about um, that. That was a while ago, but um, yeah, I think you're maybe five years old, yeah, maybe six years five, old. I got, a, I got a picture around here of you with the uniform on of yeah. the Barry Red Sox uniform. And but I remember, I remember when my brother was playing for you. Like, um, I just, I watched him play, and I was like. Oh, I want to, I just wanted to be there so bad. So I was like, I'd always get uniformed up and get all my gear on. And, um, but to me, like grabbing the bats and stuff, that was like, that was like my dream come true. That was awesome. <laughs> it was sick. Yeah. So, now, now, now you're, now you're gearing yourself towards the Olympics as a, as a, a freestyle skier. 
let me ask you this. What what made you decide? Because you you know, it's a bit crazy going on there and doing jumps and spinning around and all that stuff when you could just go straight down the hill. So what mm-hmm. made you decide to do um the aerial stuff, the big uh the big air, all that stuff? What 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 made you lean towards that? Um I think uh, a huge part of it is just the freedom you get and creativity. Um, I mean, me nowadays, I get pretty bored just skiing down the hill, obviously. But, um, you know, I found what obviously when I was younger too, just like the jumps and the rails, there's so much you can do and learn from that too. And just um, getting, getting better each day, just on the jumps is um, it's, it's super cool to see progression that way. And uh, obviously injuries do happen with that stuff. It's a little more, injury prone than just skiing down the hill. But um, I, I, don't, I don't really know what it is, but I just fell in love with it right away and I have not stopped. So um, that might be saying something, but um, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So when you win the gold medal, are you going to credit Marty Roberts? No, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, definitely. no, you credit the president. By the way, he doesn't even know this, Marty. Tell them who I am. Tell them who I am. I, I don't know. You're Joseph. And I'm the president of the provinces of Canada, <laughs> the mayor of, of North America, and I'm going to soon run for the mayor of Toronto. But anyways, let I digress here. Let Take us through when you're skiing and you get down and you finish in first place. Is there like, yeah, like you scored a goal or whatever, or like I remember Don Cherry, act like you've been there before, right? Yeah. You're just like, oh, whatever. But when you win, if you win the gold medal, are you just like letting it out? Yeah, um, kind of in the moment, it's pretty like shocking. You like it doesn't really hit you till a while after, but um, it's just more of like such a relief, like just like a oh, it feels so good because so much stuff leads up to it, not even just the competition, but beforehand, like training. Um, so much mental and physical fatigue goes into that, and um, you know, just getting a win from competition is it's so relieving and rewarding for you and your coaches and your family too. So um, it, it feels so good to, uh, to get a win like that. Um, like I, a couple weeks ago, I had a win um, on the Nor Noram tour. Um, and that was just, it was huge for me to get that. And, um, but it's, it's not like, really it's not like immediate, like super hype kind of thing. It's just more of like a, um, in your head, you're just like, oh, it's just a relief, like a weight of your shoulders gets kind of put off you. So it feels really good that way. And I think that when you had a few weeks ago, it was at Copper Mountain Resort. Yeah. Was that your first win outside of the junior circuit? Yeah. So um, now that I'm in the open circuit, kind of like any age, getting into like bigger events, like world stage, North American stage, kind of. Um, yeah. So I've been competing on that for a year. And then that was the first competition on that circuit this year, and uh, I took the win there. So that was. And and yep. you did you you sort of like kicked their ass to tell you the truth. You were there. <laughs> you got you you had two twenty. They had one eighty two second place. So that's sort of like kicking their ass, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was. I know you don't want to take, but I'm I'm saying it that you yeah. know two twenty in second place was one eighty two. That's sort of uh, like I watched I watched a bit. I've seen a few of your videos. I can't believe that you do this stuff. It's yes. it's unbelievable. And um, I, I saw pieces of that that run, and it's it's just absolutely amazing that you 
And I think there was a couple of guys in that event. If maybe the guy who finished second were in the Olympics, the last Olympics as yeah. well, were they not? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the guys that I competed against are there. Some of them are yeah, Olympic, World Cup level. Um, so it's definitely hard competition out there. Like it's definitely not easy to go out there and um, put down your best runs and get on the podium every time for sure. Like it's definitely really high level competition out there skiing. So um, yeah, I mean just getting the win it just boosts my confidence up so much now when you when you go to these events charlie who covers the tab for you guys like is, is this ski canada put in some or is it or is it your fundraising your your parents that that put yeah. in this this money for you to go to these events yeah um now that i'm kind of skiing under the government kind of you could say um it's been a little bit more helpful with getting um money and funding um you get a little bit of money uh every couple months here and there um but also sponsors too they help a lot but um i'm definitely not getting it fully covered that's for sure and don't forget the socks exactly yeah i did a uh i did a fundraiser for um just like fundraising for skiing expenses just like everyday travel um so i did fundraising for socks and uh so that really helped me out a lot. And we sold way more than we expected. Everyone really loved it. So um, that was, I'm super grateful for that. That was uh, that was definitely huge on the fundraising aspect. You're watching uh, Fired Up Live here on the Fired Up Network with special guest, Charlie Beatty. Charlie, let me ask you a question. And we, you always get these questions from all the sports or whatever, but who were some of your idols growing up? And, and you looked at it as, because I don't know anybody who says, okay, I'm going to be a CQ or I'm idolizing this guy. We mm. all know you, you did not take anything from Marty Roberts, right? Like not <laughs> anything from Marty Roberts. But who did you idolize when you when you looked at, okay, forget about hockey. I'm going to go to skiing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the guy's ski I ride right now, Tom Wallace, he's a huge pioneer in the freestyle industry. He kind of invented a whole bunch of stuff um, in what I do. So uh, he's a super big inspiration for me. And um, I've actually met him a few times, but I remember the first time meeting him, I was like in so much shock. Um, so that was huge for me. And a um, couple like hometown guys, Evan McEachern, um, grew up watching him ski a lot. And uh, so I'm a, obviously I'm a part of his team now. So that's super crazy um, just to be riding with him and all the other guys. But those two definitely I looked up to the most when I was when I was growing up. You mentioned uh, pay and everything like that. Do you envision five, ten years from now that skiing will be on the same level? Maybe not as hockey, but as any of the other sports in Canada? Um. Yeah, I mean skiing is growing so much like right now as we speak and it's obviously not as big as some of the mainstream sports like soccer and hockey and um all that stuff but uh yeah you can definitely see it getting bigger in the future um you have like downhill skiing that's already really big in europe um but in north america i can definitely see it getting bigger for sure there's more kids getting into the sport um just kind of skiing how I started to just skiing at the local hills and getting into the train park and trying new things. So um, it's, I can definitely see it getting bigger right now, but in the future, 
for sure. Like maybe not that big, but little bits at a time. So I think doing... too that uh, the X Games has brought that to yeah. the front, right? This this yes. type of uh, uh, freestyle skiing. I watched it a few weeks ago. Is that your goal? Like the Olympics, obviously, is a big goal. Is that your goal to get invited yeah. to the to the X Games? Yeah, I, X Games is like super huge for like the um, extreme sports side of things. It's kind of like the extreme sports Olympics. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, when you think of extreme sports like freestyle skiing, snowboarding, snowcross, like all the crazy stuff, um, you think of X Games. Like that's like the pinnacle of sports or action sports, sorry, um, for that matter. But yeah, that's definitely most extreme sports like goals to get to compete at the X Games. So you mentioned hockey and you mentioned baseball. Is there any other sports that take us away from skiing? Uh, is there any other sports that, okay, I got to watch the Leafs play or I got to watch the Jays. I got to, you know, or, yeah. or wrestling or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, me, me and my dad actually watch a lot of hockey still. Um, like I said, I, I grew up playing hockey first. That's like the first sport I ever played. Um, so I watch a lot of Leafs. I'm a big Leafs fan. Yeah. And um, are they going to make it out of the first round this year? that's a lot to ask for man i don't know <laughs> that's a big task but uh i hope so from a Leafs fan I, I sure hope so that's that would be huge that's like winning the stanley cup for them like so who's your favorite leaf player um i think i i love nylander right now nylander's doing really good um he was slacking a little bit before but he's picking up the pace now but Marty, got Marty loves him also because of his hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so now let's, I'm going to sum it up here. You win the Olympic in medal, gold medal in skiing. What's left for you to accomplish in skiing? Or do you take another down of skiing? Do you need another method for skiing? Um, yeah. Um, I think winning the Olympic gold medal is like the top of the top of competition skiing and competitive skiing. Um, same for a lot of other sports, but I would really like to just really film skiing as well, getting in, into the film aspect side of skiing after um, I'm done competing. But that's a that's a long ways away for now. But I, I can just see myself trying to make movies and um, do film parts just in the backcountry, big mountain skiing, um, just trying to make movies because that's what I really love doing and um, just putting out like cinematic stuff for people to watch of skiing. That's huge too. Um, you see a lot of guys doing that as well. Once they finish competition yeah. skiing, they sort of get into the, uh, the urban city skiing and big mountain skiing, heli skiing. So I could definitely see myself doing that. So before you came on, me and Marty were talking about, you know, a day like today, the snow. Marty says he hates it. He has to shovel the snow or whatever. Yeah. He shovels every day. He, 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 I don't know what he shovels, but for you, a guy who, who skis, is it a day like you're in heaven, a, a day like today? I, I, I was out on the ski hill today, actually. It was so windy and my face was freezing. Um, but obviously you can't complain because it's snowing out and I, I live in the snow. So, um, yeah. Uh, but 
you know, I when, when I, you when you go, Charlie, when you go just to the ski hill, mm-hmm. is it just regular skiing or or are you still practicing your 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 oh, stuff? Yeah, like, still- when you when you come up with these uh, moves that you do, these uh, you know spins and jumps, mm-hmm. do you yeah. practice that on the hill, or is there somewhere else that you practice it first so you don't get injured trying something that you've never tried before? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have a, there's a whole bunch of steps. Uh, you can kind of learn stuff on trampoline as a base, just kind of getting the air awareness, like kind of finding your way around in the air, and then. There's a few of these in the world. There's like an airbag. So it's like a landing, like a jump and a landing, but the landing is like filled of air. So think of a bouncy castle kind of. Yeah. So if you, if you, something does go wrong, you land on your back or something, it's just cushioning your fall. So that's, that's really big for progression. And um, the sport has gotten so crazy from those things. Like the spins are getting super out of control just because, everyone's just getting to practice on these airbags nonstop, but, um, that's super, uh, safe way to, um, build up your air awareness and rotations. So, um, that's where I do. That's what I do. I train on that stuff. And then when I'm just skiing at the ski hill, I obviously ski on the rails and the jumps, but at home, the hills aren't so big. So when I'm just skiing down, I get down in five seconds and I'm oh, like, that was, that was pretty quick. All right, so let's uh, closing it out. Let's give your sponsors a shout out. Also, that's how they pay the Marty Roberts a huge salary here on Fired Up Network. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead, give your uh, sponsors a shout out. Yeah, um, just again, HGC Invent uh, Investment, uh, Line Skis, Full Tilt Boots, Rip Curl Canada, Corbett Snow, Oakley Skiing, um, Muskoka Woods. You guys have helped out so much. Thank you very much. And did you say mom and dad? And mom and dad. Don't forget mom and dad. That's the that's the most important sponsor. You you could see who who Marty Roberts is like. uh, (laughs) Did you mention Brett Lindros? Yeah, that's the brother of Eric, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, him, and um, Sean Keller are the two are one of the people of the uh, the H uh, GC Investment Group. Um, I think there's a few more people up there that kind of oversee it, but. Um, I've, I've met with those guys and they're, they're amazing people. So the, can Brett Lindros ski? How about, how about Don't. if I give you 10 bucks, see if he could <laughs> maybe make a video of Brett Lindros skiing and, and yeah, say, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try my very best. <laughs> All right. And when, when you go to, do you have a schedule of, you know, tournaments and all that. Is there a quota that they obviously you want to win every tournament, but is one of these because people in Canada don't really know skiing and all that. Is there like um, we talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Yeah. Is there like Olympics is Olympics and all that, but what's the sort of Stanley Cup playoffs for uh, for skiing? Uh yeah. So right now, actually going on in Georgia, um, it's. Just, not Georgia, Atlanta, yeah, Georgia, but, Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's world championships going on, so that's one of the biggest events. It's one every two years, um, and that's a huge qualifier for the Olympics. Um, Why so aren't that, you there? Uh, I'm not there yet. Okay, close. I'm getting there. Um, I'm trying to work my way up, but um, I'm just doing the North American events for now, but um. World Championships is a huge event. Um, 
it, it's really huge for like funding too in the country. Like um, it helps out your country if you win a lot. So um, yeah, no, we we had a Charlie, we had a video, but I don't think we can get it to and load up right. It was that. in it was in Switzerland, I think it was last year. You yep. made it to the the, the finals. Now yep. I believe you go to New Zealand because of where you placed last year with that event. Yeah, when's that happen? Uh, yeah, so Junior Worlds or World Juniors is in uh, August in New Zealand. Um, so that's like a huge event for like the younger generation, um, kind of like hockey World Juniors. Like he's watched this year, obviously not as big of a scale of that, but uh, same idea, like U18, um, just kind of seeing who's the best, who's the best young kid out there, I guess. So uh, here's a, here's one question, maybe one of the final questions. Yeah. What what do you, do you take? What has Marty Roberts taught you <laughs> in your fifteen year career here of being bas- baseball and skiing and all that? What's the best thing? Hustle. The hustle. Lots of hustle. Has he ever hustled a day in his life, Marty Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, that's one thing about every team I've ever coached is that they. They work their ass off each and every time. It's no question. You know what? Nothing's guaranteed for tomorrow. So you might as well leave it all out there today. Exactly. Exactly. Work at it. And then, you know what? You never know what comes your way. And that's the way it has to be in, in everything you do. You have to work your butt off each and every time. Charlie didn't get where he's at because he just decided to sit around. He got to where he's at right now. And there's still more things to come by him working his butt off. And, and you know, I love watching you, Charlie. I, I watch all your videos I, I you know on Instagram, all that stuff. And and I look forward to the, the next few years leading or next couple of years leading up to the Olympics in Italy. But here's the question for your dad, your mom, and you, who wins in golf? <laughs> Ooh. No, wait, that's Charlie, a, that's Charlie, a touchy you gotta say, subject. You gotta say your parents, all right? You gotta say your parents. That's a, my my mom and dad are actually really good golfers. Like um my dad grew up playing golf every day of his life, so um He's he definitely still kicks my butt around the course. Um, yeah, he's got some pretty high golf friends, right? I remember a few years ago. This is when you were younger. I'm sitting there watching the British Open, and I messaged your mom. I'm like, "Is Brian at the British Open right now?" Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, caddying he for John Daly. Yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah. got some friends that can teach him how to golf. So uh, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that definitely helped. That's I'm gonna use that as an excuse next time. But right. I'm working on my game, and I'll. I'll I'll message you guys. I'll I'm gonna get him this season for sure. This right, season and, is going down, and you're gonna hear more of uh, Charlie Beatty in the years to come. And I'm gonna predict this. Not that Marty tells me he's gonna be an Olympic champion. If he's not, he's gonna have hair like Marty. All right, there you go. <laughs> That's added incentive. Hey Charlie, I appreciate you coming nice. on here. We'll have you on yeah. again uh, in the future. You know, good luck with everything the rest of this winter, and then when you go to the uh, uh, in New Zealand. And, and you have that there. Good luck with all that stuff. And uh, thanks awesome. for coming on. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. And uh, good luck in, in all your tournaments. And uh, hopefully yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll win the Olympics. Uh, and when you win the Olympics, we want only champions here. That's why Marty Roberts <laughs> here. He'll never <laughs> win anything. First so that's why I have right. to win. <laughs> All right. But no, good good luck in all your uh, tournaments. And and uh, keep, uh, keep smiling. Keep working hard. I'm sure you're going to get there. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Good rest of the night.
you too. You too. Thanks a lot for joining us. That's uh, Charlie Beatty, a uh, uh, skier, and you're going to see big, big things from him. Marty, uh, a great, uh, great chat with him. And uh, we're going to see big things from him. And the guy's only 15 year old. You were telling me 15 so, youngest, youngest ever to be named to ski Canada. Right. So that's, that's, that's big. Like, uh, you know, to, to do that, like to imagine the, the, man, the, the, I don't even know what the word is, but to do stuff like that, do jumps and 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 not be yeah, able to imagine the, the pressure. Fifty, we're talking about a fifteen-year-old. The pressure, and you know, <laughs> I don't have to say this. I have problems walking, let alone ski skiing. All right, and the jumps he does. I watched the video. Unfortunately, we couldn't put it out on the video because Marty Roberts has an iPhone. Never don't trust <laughs> Apple. Apple is good for an Apple a day. Keeps the doctor away. But Marty Roberts, don't you have to go to the doctor next week? Anyways, so, so you know, like, this guy does these moves. That's incredible. And for that matter, we, we're we in Canada. We have snow. People should be talking about skiing, should be talking more about skiing, because that 15-year-old is the future, future yeah. of Canada. doesn't matter. Skiing is a sport. Yeah. And, and you know what? The, you look at here, you – Especially in in Ontario, the hills here are not very big. Truthfully, like it, yeah. his his home uh, uh, hill is is Horseshoe Valley. There's Snow Valley up here. There, there's, but they're nothing like when you go out to the you know BC area or you go to Colorado. The hills that are that are out there. So, you know, it's it's the sport is is getting bigger with the you know the freestyle the the. the what they used to be called, the crazy Canucks with Steve yeah. Paborski and that. You know what? These guys are the crazy Canucks, the guys that can do this and, and jump off of these things. Like I said, I've seen videos, Joe, and it's it just blows my mind that um, some of the things that these guys can do. And you know what? You can follow him on Instagram at, at Charlie Beatty. Just put in Charlie Beatty's on Instagram, and you can see all his reels and stuff like that there. That was a thank you to Marty and thank you to all the sponsors and and Marty, you know uh, his uh, his family, his mom and dad personally. So maybe give them a shout out. Oh yeah, you know Brian and Paul are, are Paul are great people. Like I've known them. Like I coached um, Charlie's brother Tyler at baseball, and I've known them probably man at least 12, 13, 14 years, something like that. So you know they're good people. I, I enjoy uh, talking to them and. And like I said, they, they they have a a rising star in their hands here with Charlie. That's for sure. And you know what I what I liked? Fifteen years old, composure, right there, knew how to talk to. It's, yep. it's intimidating coming on talking to the president of the province of Canada, let alone you. Come on, you right. know, it, it, you're right. You're right, Joe. Though Joe, like for him, that he spoke very well. Um, like he. He, he knows his stuff and he's very confident kid. You can see that. And, you know, and nothing fazed him. I know when he was younger, he had a very bad injury and you know what? He got back up there and that's what it takes. That once you get knocked down, you got to be able to get back up and get on that horse and do it again. And, and that's what is going to make Charlie very successful at what he's doing. And like I said, I, I look forward to following everything he does in the future. And like we said, that's a, that's, you said it, the future, 15 years old, heart heart uh like a champion already at 15 years old there's no doubt and i'm not saying that because he came on or whatever there's no doubt this guy's going to be a champion a champion that canada will be proud of because these you know how we look at Sidney crosby 
Sidney Crosby, Stanley Cup champions, when he was like 22 years old. Remember that. Now he's, yep. what, 34, 35. When he came in, and, and I don't, forget about uh, Sidney Crosby for a second, Connor Bedard, the pressure 15, 16-year-old. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it, you know, that's the biggest thing about being successful in, in as an athlete in whatever sport you're doing is being able to control your nerves, being able to handle the pressure. And those guys that can do that the best usually succeed the most with, with everything that they do with the working on the training. You know, if they can handle the pressure that's coming their way, you know what, the sky's the limit for these guys. And that's a, a lot of these guys, as much as, you know, you see the Crosby's, the Bedard's and that, the, as good as they are at, at hockey, it didn't just come. They worked at it. You know, they, they, they failed many times before they became successful. And they realized what it feels like to lose, and they don't like that feeling. And that's the same thing as Charlie here. Like I said, you know, he, he went into, you know, he was, he was one of the top at the junior ranks. Now he went into the open ranks and he won a few weeks ago, beating guys that were in the Olympics. So that to me shows that he has it. And like I said, he has the determination, the drive to do this, and he's going to be very successful at it. And like they always say, Marty, he has the it factor. Nobody yep. knows what it is, but he has it. Yep. So yep. it's, it's- it's you you want to be the you want to be the first guy there and the last guy to leave. That's what you want to be when you go and work out. Like a good friend of mine, Dwayne, you know, Rock Johnson. You know the Rock, eh? Rock wrestler, you know him, right? And and he says I smell something. What is Did you cook? What, what I, I never mind. We you talk about Stone Cold, you talk about Rock. What a great segue because we got John Carlo and me talking about wrestling, but Marty, anything else uh, before we close out this segment? Uh, no. Uh, you know, it was great talking to Charlie and, and this weekend the Blue Jays start spring training games. I'm looking forward to that. Right, Can't wait. Looking forward to going to the backyard doing some barbecue, a hot dog and hamburger. Well, you know what? Once yeah, my my I've only barbecued a couple times because of the weather. So once it warms up, the I steaks are on the barbecue. Every day when he comes on to Fired Up Network, Marty, did you, yeah, I'm going in for a barbecue. How many steaks did you have? Only three. Come I on, think Randy man. Cross might be the only one that barbecues more than me. Yeah, he has brisket and all that. Randy Cross, uh, a three-time Super Bowl champion, and another guy who speaks very, very well there, very well. But that the future... Forget about skiing and all that. A guy 15 years old for Canada. People should talk more about the future of Canada, be it skiing, be it baseball, be it badminton, be it tennis, be it be it wrestling, be it whoever. Because, again, there's not a lot of people talking about these other sports. There's a million other sports other than hockey here in Canada, yeah. right? So, yeah. it's, But I like him, what he said. He likes the Leafs. He never said he likes Pittsburgh, eh, Marty? <laughs> he never said he likes Pittsburgh there, all right? So that's it. All right, Marty, you got a couple minutes. Anything else in the sporting world that you want to talk on before uh, we close it out with me and Giancarlo? No, we'll, we'll see you next Friday. You know, trade deadline, see what uh, these teams Marty, do, you, what happens. You, uh, do you need extra prep? Maybe who should I pair you up with? Hey, should I pair you up with Justin Levine? Should I pair you up with Mark Freitas? Some guy, Billy the Goat. I mean, uh, Billy the Great. No, never mind. Um, who who should I pair you up with? You can pair me up with whoever you want because I'm off on that day. I got to leave a little later because I'm going to see All that. Right, I love the 90s be, tour. I got to tell you, it's going to be Marty. And eh, 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 that's who it's going to be. Are you excited, Marty? 
That's the one guy I won't do it with. <laughs> are Are you sure? All right, and you know, uh, honestly, for for trade deadline day, I don't know how we're going to cover eight, ten hours, or whatever. But I'm going to bring back some people that you never thought would be bring back. And Marty, I'll give you a hint. You better do your hair, your eyebrows, your nose, your everything like that. And you, you know, and don't don't smoke. Smoking is bad for you, Marty. Smoking is. is bad for you. What we have to hope for, Joe, is that these big trades that happen beforehand, there's still some big ones that'll happen on on the third. No, Justin will break. Justin will be our fired up network insider breaker. He he will break trades. He will. You break better come trades. on with a with a, a shirt and tie. That's all I know is Justin better have a shirt and tie on when he comes on. No, he better have the tie. and messy hair and messy hair. Messy hair. Why? Why? Who has messy hair? See Elliot had that all the time. Who? Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. Who's he? Yeah. Well. Elliot. You mean well, you one mean of my, the be- better guys around? My, my no Jewish friend. My Jewish friend. You're talking about right? Yeah, he's he he definitely has some uh, sources that give him some information. Now we just got to fix his hair. Is his source start with an N and an R? I have no idea. By the way, uh, a special shout out to to him uh, who uh, had his mom's birthday and uh, his mom uh, unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. I'm talking about the the late night vampire Storm and Norm Rumack, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting his mom. I was actually at the mom's funeral and. Uh, uh, really class act, and uh, for a guy who, a lady who's been dealing with Alzheimer's, Marty, you know this, and I'm like going to share a little bit of my family. I'm dealing with uh, somebody in the family who has Alzheimer's for three, four years already. It's a really tough, tough disease. So, and she, um, Norm's mom, uh, I think went through it 12 or 13 years. So, uh, kudos to that, uh, and kudos to to Storm and Norm. Maybe, maybe. If I want to stay awake, maybe I don't bring him. But if I want to fall asleep, maybe I bring him on to say, hammerhead alert, hammerhead alert, right? Come on, Marty. All right, Marty, you you were telling me March 3rd also, that's the trade deadline. You're going to be busy also in the, the, uh, like, afternoon, nighttime. Where are you going again? I'm going to Casino Rama to see I Love the 90s tour with Vanilla Ice, Young MC, Sugar Hill Gang, and... Rob Bass. All right, hold on, Marty. Vanilla Ice, give me a song, like a, a line from a song. Come on, come on. Ice, All ice. Right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back by my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flows like a hoppoon daily and nightly. Will I ever stop? No. All right, there enough. So, <laughs> who else? Vanilla Ice, who else? Young MC. Come on, give me a give me a line from Young uh, MC. You know, I, I don't know him as well. You got Sugar Hill Gang, and then you have Rob Bass. Rob Bass, come on, Rob Bass, give me a line. Come on. No, come well, on. you know what? That's my my wife loves the uh, Rob Bass uh, song. So we'll see. We'll see who's uh, videotaping me jumping around at Casino Ram up and down when the when they're out there. Mar- Marty, for you to sing, do you need some wobbly pops? No, no wobbly pops. Yeah, maybe four. And then and then. Week after that, I go to see Journey. Journey, you know, come on, Marty, yeah. come on, you, you Journey. gotta give me the, the Jersey. Jer- come on, Journey, nope. song. Journey, and then a week after that, I go to Pittsburgh to watch the Capitals and the Penguins play. Yeah, is Ovechkin going to play because he came back? Uh, well, we'll see. Right, his his father passed away, so we'll see if he's back. Oh, I forgot. I, this Saturday, I got to go to a a musical for uh, Rock of Ages at the Elgin Theater. 
Oh, Rock of Ages. We I'm a busy guy, Joseph. I'm a busy guy. Thank God you have all those zeros on my paycheck because I wouldn't be able to afford any of this. Marty Roberts, you're the highest paid member of the Fired Up <laughs> Network team. All right, you're more. You make more zeros than Steve Carney. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, lots and of zeros. John Carlo Lino, you make a, a lot more than that. Uh, you know, so so uh, Marty Roberts, and I never. And Marty Roberts is a guy who never complains. Never. I could give him a, a zero. I could give him twelve zeros. He he never says he wants thirteen zeros. Uh, like unlike some other people. All right, so there you go. <laughs> All right, Marty, I'm, I'm going to uh, cut it off here. I know All you're right. going to be sitting bated breath to hear myself and John Carlo on the wrestling show slash on the Matt Wrestling Show slash uh, Bellator MMA submission slash UFC on guard. And we'll preview all the big events uh, this weekend. That's myself and John Carlo Lino. And don't forget, Marty, tomorrow, 1230, go ahead, tell them about it. World famous soccer show. We'll be on at twelve at twelve thirty for sure, Joseph. Twelve thirty, yes, with myself, John with the Carlo coach, Vito, John the coach, Carmen Asako, and the Hall of Famer from OSG Sports, John Freeman Nelson. Maybe with I his should, with his scarfs. Maybe I should pair you up with John Freeman Nelson. Have you ever been paired up with John Freeman? Yes, Nelson? we were on last year with the trade deadline. Yeah, well, maybe I should put you on your memories of the Atlanta Thrashers. They they're that fast. Your memories of the California Golden Seals. That fast. You know, like why is there not? There's a hockey team in Arizona, but not a hockey team in Atlanta. And by and the way, riddle me that. Did you see what Gary Bettman said? There's a 30 year non relocation. For the uh, signed document for the Arizona Coyotes. So for I, I people who think like, they're going to move to Quebec or whatever, there's no way. You you just you have a big mess there that Bettman just keeps letting happen there. They're playing at an arena that has 5,000 people. They're sitting out their top player or defenseman until he's traded. How is this stuff allowed to happen? Like the kid, Chikrin should be playing all the time. Not, oh, you were sitting out until you we I'm trade not, you. I'm That's... You want to sit him out. Okay, tomorrow you have a trade. We're sitting you Well, exactly. Not like when they sat him out, now. I thought the trade was happening. The trade was yeah. happening the next day. We're now yeah. a week after, and he's still not traded. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But uh, talk about a trade. Ryan O'Reilly looks a good trade for the Maple Leafs there. And, uh, you know, Maple Leafs, although Jake Muzzin, like, here it is, Marty. One of the first guys, maybe the only guy to say it two years ago, two years ago, that this guy should be retiring because his health is yep, more important yep. than making the playoffs. And it's that Marty Roberts said about Jake Muzzin there. Uh, it was obviously, like like I said last year, like he, he just shouldn't have come back last year. And then they brought him back. And then look, now he's, he's you know, just hopefully he can, you know, that's it. He doesn't try to make any comebacks and he can live a healthy, happy life with his family. He's got the money. He doesn't need the money anymore. You know, you don't need to be um, hurt in this hockey and not be able to enjoy his family. So I'm glad that at least he's out for the rest of this year and hopefully he retires. And and I'm telling you, one guy that is, I hear he's getting new hockey sticks ready and everything like that. It's Eric Lindros. Eric Lindros, I hear he's playing with new hockey sticks and everything like that. I don't know why he needs new hockey sticks. 
if you're not training, saying your prayers, eating your vitamins, Eric Lindros, he's not coming back, but he is actually getting new hockey sticks. I got it under good source. A good source. I think you know who it is, Marty. All right. So, uh, Marty, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, any update on Pittsburgh tonight? I don't care. All right. I don't on care. They, you know what? They better, they better not have wasted my money when I go to Pittsburgh and watch them. They better – Play a little bit better than they have. I got, hold on, last, Marty. Wow. I got the script. I got the script like an NFL Super Bowl script. <laughs> Two weeks from now, Washington beats Pittsburgh six-one. You know it better. It better not happen, Joe. It, it better. It better be an enjoyable game to see Ovechkin and, and Crosby playing against each other. Who knows how many more times they'll play against each other? They're both getting a little long in the tooth, hockey age-wise. So. It was good to see them in the All-Star game playing on a line together, right? You never yeah, thought you know, that would happen. No, no. You know, so hopefully they they show up and the Penguins can at least make a run into the playoffs. Like, this is just just not very good. And, and there's some trade, some signings that Hexel did that left me scratching my head. Like, why would they sign him? Like, I get why they, re, they, they re-upped Carter. Okay, I get that. But then... Uh, uh, what's his name that the Leafs used to have? Kapanen. Is that his Kapanen? Yeah, Kapanen, yeah. You know, you give him like a bunch of money when there's no reason. Like he, he's been a healthy scratch at times this year, and you just put yourself up against the cap. So we'll see if they get any room to maneuver and, and get some players in. I, I don't think the Leafs are done. I think the Leafs go out and get themselves a defenseman. Who? I don't know. What about Patrick Kane? I, I don't think. I think Kane came out as much as said that he doesn't want to go to Toronto. I, I believe but that I'll if you read in between the lines, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say I, I think what what I told my it wouldn't surprise me if you saw him in Dallas, Kane. It would not surprise me. I'm going to tell you right now, if the Maple Leafs are serious, not winning one round, serious, want to win the Stanley Cup, the guy you never thought this would uh, was out there. There's one player out there. That you could get, it's a little bit pricey. You're you're gonna manage uh, the salary cap and all that. You replace Muzzin with Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson. I don't have to tell you, Swedish guy, Borja Salming, and all that. They never. They. I don't care about Morgan Riley. He's good. He's not great. Eric Carlson still at what is he? 34, 35 years old. Will be the best defenseman the Maple Leafs had since Borja Salming. Here, but here's there. the thing with that, Joe is. Is they don't need another guy that can put the puck in the net. They need a guy that can help keep the puck out of the net. So they need a guy that can move guys out of the way, not allow guys to sit there and screen their goalie, be able to make the the first pass out so they can get out of the zone. Carlson isn't, I don't think, a guy that they need to get. I I think uh, if you go out and you and you talk to Vancouver about Shen or even Dumba from from Minnesota. Now Dumba's getting better. Dumba's paycheck is a little big. Now, but maybe they can work out something where Minnesota Shed keeps never back. was. He he's a goal okay, like a, a seventh defenseman, but he was never a guy who could move the players in front of the net. I still think I still I know what you and I agree with what you say, but he's there. Carlson would do based on his experience, based on being a captain, based on everybody looking out for him. You pair Carlson with Brody or Carlson with uh, with Riley or or anything like that. You just build up the team because right now the offense has never been. They're putting John Tavares to, on the left side. You got three lines, four lines, because now your guys, Zach Aston Reese with Chari, 
that's an amazing fourth line there with Kerfoot. Well, that, you know what? And that's that with getting O'Reilly just made that third and fourth line so much better by dropping guys down and picking up Achari as well, putting him in the fourth yeah. line. You know, it, and this is why, you know, guys, you know, take shots at Tavares. And I never have been one. I've always liked John Tavares. I like what he does. Here's a guy that said, and I can guarantee this is how it went. They asked him his thoughts. He said, I will move to the wing if we get O'Reilly and put him in center. That's the type of guy Tavares is. He's not a guy that's about him. It's about what's going to make this team better and a better chance at winning the Stanley Cup. And that's the type of guy Tavares is. That's why he has a C on his jersey. I don't care if he gets points. He does everything that he's supposed to do. He's been on a tear. There's no question about it. This offense, this might be one of his better, if not his best, of his career. And it's but he takes shots from everyone. Oh, let's take the B in the year was take the C off him. No, yeah. he's the he's the guy you want. John Tavares is a guy that is a team first type of guy. And that's why, you know, he moved like he's one of the best centermen around. But he said, I'll move to the left side instead of saying. You know, stick O'Reilly back. Yeah, no, O'Reilly might go back to third line at some point. I don't think it will. Like they're they're really clicking that that second line and that third and fourth line look really good too with those guys there. So yeah. at least they can get one more. To me, as much as I say a defenseman is needed, I still think their goaltending is an issue. I really do. Yeah, Samsonov has, has played well at times, but he's not a guy that is gonna get you that cup. We already know about Murray again. On the IL. Um, so I don't think a goalie's coming. So if they can sure up in front of him and allow Samsonov to see the shots clearly without having, you know, Hall standing in front with two other guys and blocking them, I think um, that's what the Leafs have to do. But, you know, we'll see next week uh, what happens with all these teams, who does what and where goes uh, uh, certain players. All right. So Marty Roberts is prepared for the trade deadline Friday, March 3rd. He'll wake up at 6 a.m. with Justin Levine. I know some Billy uh, Billy something or other will never wake up at 6 a.m., all right? Never. All right, Marty. He might not have gone to bed yet at 6 a.m. Yeah, well, whatever. He's eating, he's eating arrows, arrows, arrows all the time, all right? So, Marty, tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. And remember, thank you to uh, – uh, Marty and especially the family of uh, Charlie Beatty. Great uh, speaking to him, and hopefully we'll have more uh, not so typical sports here on the Fired Up Network. Yeah, Joseph, you can follow me, uh, Old Lefty Twenty Two, at Twitter and Instagram. Message me there. Get back to you if you if you do. And uh, yeah, again, thanks to Charlie and uh, to to his parents for. Uh, for allowing us to speak with, with Charlie. And like I said, you're right. We need to do more of other types of sports and not just the, uh, the, the three or four that everyone knows. That's right, Marty. In fact, we're going to do more. We're going to talk wrestling. All right. That's Marty, not a sport. That's entertainment, Joseph. It's a sport. I got my script right here for WWE. It's right, right. after what the WWF and the XFL. What, what does it say, Marty? What does it say? Who's going to win WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes or Roman Reigns? Cody Rhodes. Uh, what does it say? Does it say Trish Stratus is coming back on Monday? It says Trish Stratus will take Marty Roberts out to dinner. All right. Keep on dreaming about that. <laughs> keep on dreaming about that. All right. Trish Stratus, uh, special shout out to Trish Stratus. How's she, she going to fight time with Canadians Got Talent? 
She's got talent. She's a judge on Canada's Got Talent. Yeah, she took the president of provinces of Canada's. You know, they offered me that job, but I said I gotta, I gotta make Marty Roberts' flagellant career. And then you found uh, out that you had to leave your your chair to go there, and you said, "Forget it, I can't do it." That's right, Marty Roberts. Thanks a lot, you, you idiot. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Marty, and thanks a lot to Charlie. I'm gonna throw it to the wrestling show slash on the mat wrestling show. Thanks, Marty. All right, here is uh, myself and Giancarlo Lino on the wrestling slash on the mat wrestling show slash uh, Bellator MMA submissions and UFC on guard previewing this weekend's shows. Hello, everybody. This is Joseph Hasek, and welcome to the Fired Up Network. Welcome to the wrestling show with my good friend Giancarlo Lino. Let's get to it wrestling-wise. Last week, Montreal, great, great show. Sami Zayn did not win. Should have, should have. But what did you think of the show Elimination Chamber from Montreal? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought the crowd was into it. It really added to the whole presentation of it. I thought Zayn should have saved his entrance for Saturday. I know they brought back the old theme on Friday night. It was nice, but I think it would have been a real, just a better moment, I think, for uh, the product to have that saved for Saturday. All in all, though, it was a good show. Brock and Bobby, it wasn't the greatest of matches. I don't know why they were on second, but uh, I think they're saving that for later on. And Sami Zayn, I think, should have won that. Uh, it was good to see how Ariel Hawani was... Uh, an unbiased journalist there with GSP. Uh, that was nice that he got uh, that nice little recognition. So it was great to see Canada get that WrestleMania-type feel in the arena. Nah, hold on, hold on. Now I got a call from Tony Khan. He barred you from any AEW events from now on. Uh, that's number one. Number two here is, uh, well, Montez Ford. I got a couple emails. Is he injured? What's going on with him? It's all a storyline to get the cage to open. So Logan Paul, is it Logan Paul? Is it uh, what, whoever Paul come in and do a number on Seth Rollins and all that. That was just a storyline. He's not injured. He's okay. By the way, his outfit was made by Bianca Belair. All right. So all in all, it was great to see Montreal. The biggest, it was the biggest gate Montreal has ever had. And the biggest elimination chamber ever in WWE history. Uh, as far as views and everything like that. So, again, it was uh, great to see, but Sami Zayn should have won, all right? Now let's move on to um, Raw. What did you think of Raw? I thought it was okay. Uh, I know they're trying to tease that Kevin Owens is not going to join forces with Sami Zayn, but I don't think they would have won in this direction if uh, Sami Zayn was winning the title, so... It's going to eventually be Sammy and KO versus the Usos at WrestleMania. I think they should have done something where Sammy wins one of the titles and he could have defended it against maybe Jey Uso. I think they are they have a strong enough uh, rivalry or even friendship, and it would have made a lot of sense storyline-wise. But I think Jey Uso and Sami Zayn are going to be the big story going into WrestleMania, and I think one of them will cost Roman the title against Cody. So, number one, we forgot to mention that Accidentally, Sami Zayn speared Jey Uso. Or was it accidentally? That's how they build the storyline. And and then Kevin Owens teasing, well, if you need help, Jay, ask Jay for help. That's going to be the major, major, like, honestly, if Cody wins 
that's going to be a pop. Somebody beats Roman Reigns. But I can't wait for Canadians, for Montreal. And 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 they should they put Sami Zayn's wife in there, right? So what a moment when Sami and Kevin Owens probably gonna win the tag team titles and they're best friends and everything like that. So watch them lose it the next night on Raw. But anyways, uh, that's gonna be a great match. Now John Carlo has been texting me, texting me, you know, when when is Trish Stratus gonna show up? They got Lena coming out to team with with Becky Lynch against the damage control. Well, John Carlo, isn't this what you're texting me? No, I know she's coming out now because that it looked like she came back last week, like it was uh, out there on Twitter. Yep. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Here, here, here it is. Okay, twice, twice. They had plans for Trish Stratus. She was backstage in Ottawa on Raw. She was backstage, left before the segment. Now, some of my sources has told me that they're deliberating whether damage control wrestles two times, two times for WrestleMania. Of course, WrestleMania is uh, Saturday, April 1st, Sunday, April 2nd. Uh, one of those fights are going to be <coughs> Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. From what I've been told, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler win the tag team titles. So now, if they win the tag team titles, obviously, you know, uh, Lita, Trish Stratus, probably not going to, and for that matter, Becky Lynch not going to win the titles. So that's why they're delaying it, because they didn't announce that it's going to be Ronda and Shayna against Damage Control on night one. Night two, it could be a six-ladies tag match or a tag team match with Becky and... um and uh, Trish, or it could be Trish, Lita, and Becky against Damage, because right now, Bailey has nothing at WrestleMania. So that's why it has been postponed. From what I believe, Trish Stratus will be, will be at WrestleMania wearing a Fired Up Network uh, shirt and everything like that. And, and Giancarlo and Lita will also ask her about uh, Canada's Got Talent and Giancarlo's begging to show what, what talent do you have, Giancarlo? I have none. <laughs> no talent? Aren't you aren't you writing for Sports Gita? Aren't you writing for Fired Up Network? Do you show up? I don't think I would fall under the talent category. Do you see what they have on those shows? Like people balancing, juggling. I don't think uh, writing would get the golden buzzer. Yeah, but hold on. If I if I give you fire and throw it in, in your mouth and you spit it out, isn't that something like spectacular? Or is spectacular like you're taking on Marty Roberts and giving him a low blow like Brock Lesnar did to Bobby Lashley? Now, uh, here we go again. Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar. You know, short. You're going to think they're going to have a rematch at WrestleMania. Ah, I think it's going to be Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt, and Brock Lesnar against almost like where are we going here? First of all, for people, that's going to be the match for people. It's asking, a swerve. No, it's not the match asking, for for people asking why is it going to be almost? Well, Brock Lesnar since Triple H regime has not won. He beats almost. He they feed almost to Brock Lesnar, and they make Brock Lesnar again in the superstar level. All right, that's what Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt is more interesting to me 
because is it going to be Bray Wyatt or Uncle Howdy or Aunt Mary or 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 uh, uh, Brother Steve or whatever? Like who knows? And has the mystique of Bray Wyatt already rubbed off? I don't think so. I think this is a swerve. I think Brock Lesnar is going to answer this challenge from Omos. It's they're going to come out. The Hurt Business is going to reunite, and they're going to attack Brock. This is all the way to get Brock in the building. And uh, this is a trap. So I think if this ever happens, it's probably like be perfect for the Saudi Arabia shows. You can have it built up as Brock versus Omos. I think that's something that would be perfect for that market. But for WrestleMania, I think it's uh, Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, probably in a Hell in a Cell or Fight Pit. And uh, I think they should go all out with that. Fight Pit. All right. Let's get to uh, anything else in WWE that you want to touch on first. No, I think that's uh, all great. There. I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus those will be uh, the main event of night one. And I think night two is somebody from that match will cost Roman the title. All right. So, again, Giancarlo, in his infinite wisdom, is wrong. There's two nights of WrestleMania, correct? Just say it. Correct. Yeah. All right. So, already I'm right. Okay. So, night one has to be the ladies' match. And it's probably not going to be Oscar. Kevin Owens and Stone Cold were the main event last year. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> they're and men. What was a main event to uh, of ladies last year? They didn't have Charlotte and, and and Rhea Ripley because Rhea Ripley, remember, won the Royal Rumble. The night two, the main event will be Cody against Roman Reigns. So, from what I heard, and of course it could change, from what I heard, it's going to be Charlotte and Rhea Ripley in night one co-main event will be the tag team titles. That's what I heard. Of course, it could be flipped or whatever, because don't forget, they try to do um, two years ago, it was Sasha against uh, um, Bianca in night one. Uh, three years ago, I don't have to tell you, was the main event, it was the three-way match with uh, Becky, uh, Ronda, and Charlotte. So, uh, again, they tried to give one night to the ladies and another light to uh, the men. And let's face it, Roman Reigns and, um, you know, Cody Rhodes is going to main event one of those nights. Whether it's the first one, whether it's the second one, whether it's the 15th one, it doesn't matter. All right. Now let's get to AEW. Oh, Tony Khan. Tony Khan this week gets in a fight with my good Jewish Montreal friend, Ariel Hawani. All right. Giancarlo, if you get in a fight with Tony Khan, are you scared? Let's just say yeah. Let's just say no <laughs> if you're scared because you criticize the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tony Khan. I don't even like, know anybody on the team. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Trevor Lawrence, all right? Evan Ingram. All right. So, like, look, uh, Tony Khan gets into it with Ariel Hawani. Then he promises, promises a huge announcement. John Carlos thinking, oh, while they're doing a forbidden door number two, Sasha Banks is coming in. Or what? What's the announcement? AEW All Access premiering in March after AEW Dynamite. So one hour, you get a talk show, a, a SmackDown update, a Raw Rewind or whatever. And, and who does it? It's Adam Cole, baby, who announces it. And Adam Cole says he's going to take part in it and be his first match back. Instead of saying, Adam Cole, you're going up against Kenny Omega. 
they got Adam Cole and watch it's going to be Adam Cole against one of those uh, you know Peter Avalon put it that way it's going to be Peter Avalon Adam Cole okay that's what it's going to be are you disappointed with this major announcement I think it it can't hurt for them to put out more content I'm just more surprised about the time slot because after AEW Dynamite on TBS, it's uh, Dana White's Power Slap League, which hasn't really done crazy ratings like they had hoped for. So if I'm looking more into that, it seems like that's not really something TBS wants to continue after this year or this season. And I think Dana White's going to probably look for another home for that because uh, that could be uh, writing on the wall for their future. I, you know, talking about, you know, Dynamite, but Rampage Friday, wouldn't it make sense to move Rampage to 7 p.m. instead of 10 p.m.? You got people watching Rampage at 7, then they move over to SmackDown at 8. Because from 8 to 10, they're watching SmackDown, and really nobody knows 10 to 11, Rampage is on. If they do it, if they market it well, 7 to 8, and then 8 to 11, you got 3 hours, or 8 to 10, and 3 hours of wrestling. Instead, you still have 3 hours of wrestling, but... On a Friday night at 10 o'clock, how many people know about Rampage? Now, let's talk about Giancarlo. I'm a 60-minute man. Just ask Patricia, all right? I'm a 60-minute man, all right? Are you a 60-minute man? I know Brian Danielson is, but my good Jewish friend, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, you know, 60 minutes, he eats matzah. He eats challah. Uh, Do you think he can wrestle 60 minutes? I think there's another, there could be a swerve here. I think MGF should come out and say, I wouldn't need 60 minutes. Although it's advertised as a 60 minute Ironman match, you I think he's going to, because he keeps saying, like last night, the whole thing that triggered Brian Danielson wasn't the thing they brought up as kids. He brought up CTE almost. Like that's where, the, where he drew the line. So if I'm looking more into that, if I'm MGF, take him out in 20 and he ends the match. If Brian Danielson can't continue for the last 40 minutes, you got to give MGF the win. So technically, he went through the Ironman match. Uh, Brian Danielson's brain, you can just say that it was by knockout or he couldn't continue physically, and the referee called a stop to that. So I wouldn't be so sure after that promo last night that this match actually is going 60 minutes. It could end early. Yeah, right. It's going to go. It's ending up. This is another master prediction. All I know is Revolution March, March 5th, okay? The show is supposed to start at 8. Do you know when it's finished? If they got an hour match and they got 12 matches before that hour match, we're talking about like Monday at 3 a.m., all right? so Card that, subject to change. Remember that. Yeah, card <laughs> subject to change. But So meanwhile, you know, they're going to announce an, another match. Warlow Samoa Joe has got to be announced, all right? And then whoever's in the tag team match has got to be announced. The three-way ladies match is announced or whatever. So... Uh, and don't forget, Adam Cole, baby, has to be shown up. Uh, you know, the now you're on Rampage, we're going to see the House of Black against the Elite. I'm waiting for that match to be announced. That match is going to be good. You know, the Revolution is pretty good, and it's the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, so you know they want to show something to the WWE, right? But they, what's interesting last night on, Ramp, on uh, Dynamite, they mentioned William Regal a lot. They mentioned William Regal a lot, and I'm surprised my good Jewish friend, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, announced him by his name. 
All right. Maxwell Jacob Freeman did not did not say I beat him up so bad I took him into entertainment instead of wrestling. He would have should have announced that. Now, another big question, and you have the scoop on this. You're like the entertainment tonight of the Fired Up Network. Maxwell Jacob Freeman announced that his fiance left him. Giancarlo, I told you this last night. All right. I need word if he's still married or engaged or not. Do you have that information? I don't. I honestly just thought that was part of his promo, but I'm sure he'll be fine. I I called, I called Rabbi Haim Geshmegetz. All right. I called Rabbi Haim Geshmegetz. All right. Part of HNR Ganef. All right. What's so funny? And they told me, they told me for the right price, they would tell me what's happening. So, Giancarlo, this week's payment will go to Rabbi Haim Geshmegetz. All right. I will find this out because I know inquiry minds want to know. And by the way, MJF is ripped now. MJF has a body like me now. And what's so funny, John Carlo? He is ripped. He is ripped. Now, speak about ripped. I got an evil Uno, all right? Evil Uno, John Moxley. John Moxley, every match he bleeds, all right? That's John Bleeding Moxley. That's his new name, all right? Evil Uno was bleeding. Oh my gosh! And this Cesaro or or Claudio Castanelli, what's he doing nowadays? Isn't he the NW uh, the uh, Ring of Honor champion? He, he comes out with a, a nice, first of all, nice soccer shirt and everything like that, and slaps Wheeler Yuta. Comes out at the end and starts a fight there. He's the champion. What's he getting involved with? Yeah, I don't like it. I think uh, when he was brought in, it looked like it was this big main eventer coming in and goes into that group, the Blackpool Combat Club, and ever since, it's just Ring of Honor, and you rarely see him in a big program. So if I'm him, I'm pretty upset because better off, like, he could have just stayed in WWE and done the same thing. So I'd love if I'm him, I'd want to know what the long-term plan is with Wheeler Yuta. Like, I don't know where they're going at with him, but... Like, he could do so much more. You have Miro on the sidelines. We haven't seen him in a while. I don't even think he's had more than 10 matches in AEW, which is a shame. Where's Andrade? And, yeah, Andrade, ever since he got injured or sent home, like, I haven't heard anything from him. So that's disappointing, and I don't know what they're doing with those guys. But I think they should have just had MJF and uh, Brian Danielson. I know that's not their thing to have a promo be, like, a main event slot, but I think that was strong enough where MJF's promo would have really – added more to that feud and that whole brawl if they ended the show with that. Hello? Hey, am I better? Is that, is that, I, or you Hello? don't know it. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, John Carlo? Yeah, I heard something. I heard something say. Am I better than you and you know it? Am I better than you and you know it? I think. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't get it at all. That just flew. Great job by the producer. You're the on that wrestling show up. Surrender. Fourth, Carlos, predictions get to it. The cat 
No Surrender pre-show match. Good match. Jonathan Grisham, Mike Bailey, who you got in this one? Yeah, I like Mike Bailey. He's uh, an exciting talent there, but I think Jonathan Grisham, they're really going to build them up here. So I see this going probably the most 10 minutes. I don't think this will be like a 20-minute pre-show match, but I think Jonathan Grisham beats them uh, pretty decisively. Diana Parasso versus uh, Giselle Shaw. Yeah, I think Diana Parasso wins this. I think that they continue making her one of the big faces of Impact Wrestling. I know she probably is right now, but really set it apart. Like this is a show where she's a premier talent that they're showcasing. So I think she should win this and uh, continue on. And they've got to do something more with her because. As Mickey James is in there, and as you get all these other women talent, you have to make her still the focal point because she's the youngest of them, and she's just hitting her prime right now. All right, so then we got Frankie Kazarian against Big Con. Yeah, this sounds like a disaster. Uh, Frankie Kazarian, it was a nice story that he went back there. I think he's just there to maybe get a few wins here or there, but he's going to put other talent over. Uh, he's at this stage of his career where he had the big offer. Uh, he's part of AEW from the beginning, and now he's uh, going back and being that veteran talent. So I wouldn't be surprised if he puts uh, Big Con over. Six-man tag team title match, the Bullet Club, Kenta, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay versus Time Machine, uh, Kashida, Impact World Tag Team, and New Japan Strong uh, Open Tag Team Champions, the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, I think this is going to be match of the night. Uh, I like all of the guys involved here. Big fan of Kushida. I thought AEW should have uh, done more with him. Like, I know it's just a one-off thing, but hopefully down the road he's one of the guys that they sign and make him a permanent fixture on their roster. Uh, I think the Motor City Machine Guns win, though. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, brawling going on, and I think we'll see them sneak out a win there and uh, set something up for the next pay-per-view. Number one, four, PC going to win. The win. Heath Slater is not going to win. Eddie Edwards maybe win. The guy who's going to win, Steve Macklin. I have it under good authority. The next Impact Wrestling pay per view, April sixteenth, my mother's birthday. To my mother, John. Who's birthday? Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I didn't hear the rest of it. All I heard was happy birthday. <laughs> well, April the next Impact Wrestling pay-per-view is at Rebellion, happening at the Rebel Nightclub here in Toronto on April 16th. April 16th is my mother's birthday, so I wanted you to say happy birthday to my mother. But don't worry. You don't need happy to say birthday. happy birthday because it's not April 16th, John Carmel. What's wrong with you? Anyways, I have under, under good authority that April 16th, the main event of Rebellion, will be Steve Macklin versus Canadian Josh Alexander. So number one contenders match, Steve Macklin. Do you agree? No, I think Heath Slater is going to win. He has got kids, and a big main event in Toronto could help feed them and buy a lot more stuff for the family. So I got Heath Slater winning. He's going to headline Rebel Nightclub. He's going to be the new uh, king of freestyle over there, I guess. And uh, he's going to win the title. And uh, he's going to beat Josh Alexander. So he Slater's your new champ. 
you must have been snowed in. Must have been the snowboarder brain. All right. Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Titles, the Hex versus the Death Dolls. Yeah, I think the Hex is going to continue this uh, streak they're on here. Uh, they, no matter where they're wrestling, they seem to be uh, two stars that are like relied upon to put on a good match. And uh, I think they're going to continue that, put on a decent match here, get the win, and won't be surprised if they do the same in NWA. All right, and so let's get to another match. Mickey James will defend the uh, Knockouts title. Go ahead. Yeah, this is this whole run from Mickey James eventually is going to end. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends here. Well, here you uh, want me to I break some news? Here. You want me to break some news? I'll break some news. I see we're going I'll back break some to news. WWE. <laughs> I'll break some news here. All right. You know, a good friend of mine, Mercedes, Mercedes Monet, money, Mercedes money who won the New Japan Pro Wrestling title. There's a big event in April, all right? I don't know if you heard of it. It's called Wrestle something or other mania. The night before, a lot of independents are going to be. I have it under good authority that Frank, uh, Frankie Monet, Mercedes Monet and Mickey James will be wrestling for the Impact title. That's what I have heard, it's not going to be in Toronto. I tried to ask. doesn't look like it's going to be in Toronto. It will be the night before WrestleMania. Are you excited about that match? Yeah, that's why I thought maybe. Like, she could also lose this and then go after the IWGP Women's Championship uh, against Mercedes. and then So, like that, Mercedes doesn't win both titles, but... If she does go to Impact and do double duty, I don't know how realistic that would be, but I think that could also be an option. But I do see Mickey James after WrestleMania probably re-signing with WWE in some capacity with Nick Aldis. Nick who? Never mind. Uh, main event of No Surrender Friday, and it will be Canadian Josh Alexander versus Rich Swan. Yeah, Josh Alexander's winning this. <laughs> Like sure? Rich Swan had his run uh, in 2020. It was memorable for him. It was a nice story when they had Kenny Omega go there and they had the program and all that. But uh, they have to have uh, Josh Alexander headline in Toronto. That would make no sense. Like booking 101, have mm -hmm. your world champion, your best talent in Toronto, in his home country. I think he has to headline the event. All right. Well, that's we'll do it for uh, wrestling wise. But as you can see, another masterful job by the producer because Bellator has a show uh, on on Saturday, and uh, John Carlo covers MMA for us and Sports Gita and all that. But it's Bellator two ninety one. Bellator 291 from Dublin, Ireland. We're going to get to some matches here. Let's get to uh, a pre-show match or preliminary match. Which one do you want to talk about, John Carlo? Yeah, they got a, a lot of uh, under-the-radar fights that some of these fighters should actually be on the main card. Like Peter uh, Nizdelski is one that really was impressive in his last fight. He's a guy that in that featherweight division could come up and challenge for a title, so I'm actually surprised he's on the prelim. Uh, I'd circle that. I think he wins that pretty convincingly. 
and then uh, goes on from there. And then Charlie Ward's a hometown guy. He's up there in age. Could he still compete? Like he's coming off a lot of stuff. Fabian Edwards. I think Mike Shipman might edge him out in a decision here, but those are two fights that I think could be interesting. All right, then let's get to uh, the main card here, Bellator 291. Um, let's go to uh, a couple more matches that you want to talk about, so I'll let you pick the matches there. Yeah, all these are really good matchups, like Kieran Clark undefeated there, uh, former guest over here, uh, good young talent. Didn't really look that great, uh, to be honest, in his last fight, but he did get the win, so a win is a win. I think he's going to be motivated here to put that behind him. I see him winning convincingly. I think it's going to be a unanimous decision. And uh, then that second fight with Shanae Kavanaugh and Janae Harding is a rematch, but I think Janae Harding, her record doesn't really do it justice. Like She lost to Leah McCourt from an upkick that she was dominating the whole fight, so... I know she's six and six, but coming off a bad injury, still fighting, loses a decision, and I think she's going to be back here and go back and go seven and six in her career, go on the right track. She's training at City Kickboxing uh, with Adesanya and all those guys, so I think she beats uh, Shanae Cavan on this rematch convincingly. And what about the main event? Yeah, the main event is uh, interim champs Logan mm-hmm. Storley against uh Yaroslav Amosov who's undefeated and just uh a lot of people comparing him to Khabib as a welterweight if he was one but I think this is going to be uh Amosov just showing that he's a better wrestler like Storley against MVP took him down so many times but he didn't really do anything on the ground and Scott Coker doesn't really trash or criticize the main event he was not that happy about it so I think Amosov's going to out wrestle him and uh win this pretty easily all right and anything else in bellator that you want to touch on before we go to uh ufc on guard i would just look at the co-main because with aaron pico out uh he got injured with his shoulder against jeremy kennedy and so jeremy kennedy got the win there but if he can beat pedro carvalho i don't know if he gets a title shot but if pedro carvalho uh edges him out here that puts him in the mix but this is something where Jeremy Kennedy, if he doesn't win this by like knockout or something spectacular, I think we'll see uh, Patricio Pitbull move down uh, 135 pounds and challenge a winner of uh, the Grand Prix or Sergio Pettis. And we'll probably see uh, the featherweight title either vacant or maybe a Kennedy versus Pico rematch for uh, the title. Wow. All right, as you can see, another this producer that we have, like unbelievable, another great job by the producer. UFC on guard now because UFC Fight Night also takes place Saturday from Vegas. Let's get to a couple prelim bouts and then uh, the main card. So uh, I'll pass it over to you, Giancarlo. Yeah, that whole Apex thing, like not really crazy about. Like I know there, it served its purpose uh, during COVID, but. Now I know it's just more of a thing for the UFC to have these events and uh, maybe put people on that they won't have to worry about selling out an arena. So like all these fights here, I think the only one that really jumps out is Tatiana Suarez's uh, return there against Montana De La Rosa. Tatiana Suarez is looked at as uh, a woman that could really be the most dominant in whatever division she's in. Uh, this is going to be a flyweight, but I think she moves down to strawweight after this. And this, if she wins this uh, in spectacular fashion, I think 
either champion would not be out of the ordinary for her to challenge for a title shot. All right. Any other boats that you want to talk about? The main event is a decent matchup. I don't know what it will do for the winner in that division because it's just so jam-packed right now. Like Jamal Hill and uh, Yuri Prohaska are going to probably fight, so they won't be getting a title shot. Their best hope is maybe against Anthony Smith. Like that's a guy that can maybe uh, challenge if he gets a win, but Johnny Walker, Anthony Smith, when they fight, maybe they get the winner of this, but a title shot is not going to be for the winner here. All right, and uh, I just got to ask you the usual questions here. John Jones, uh, and now saying him and Daniel Cormier are best friends, like me and Giancarlo, all right? What a crock. Never mind. And then we got Conor McGregor, and uh, he – when do you think McGregor's fight will be? Uh, is it September or November? I think they're going to see how the uh, Ultimate Fighter does ratings wise, and they have the finale probably at the end of August. So they'll probably see if it's a big hit, like they're assuming it's going to be. I would put it on uh, September. Probably see if you can get a stadium in September. I wouldn't put it in like. Vegas and T-Mobile and try to get the Legion Stadium. So look at the NFL schedule when it comes out and look at some stadiums in the United States because I think with ESPN constantly pumping this out every week and all the content that's going to be coming off the Ultimate Fighter, they have to take advantage of this. And if it's not in a stadium in the United States, go to Ireland that uh, where Conor McGregor's always wanted to fight in Croke Park. So I think that's uh, a target should be September. And you don't think that they may push it to November for Madison Square Garden because that's going to be like a humongous show, right? I would hope not. Like, I think they would want to get Conor McGregor, maybe if they could get two fights out of him, uh, at least one, and then set up for January his next fight against maybe like a Nate Diaz or like whoever he calls out. But I think they need to take advantage of this, do this in September, and then as soon as that fight's over, October, November comes around, and once you're in that Madison Square Garden show, you can start announcing his next fight for January or February. So I think they should do it then. And by the way, fans, uh, as you know, Giancarlo and I, along with uh, the Hall of Famer John Freeman Nelson of OSG Sports and the coach Carmen Asacco do the world-famous soccer show every Friday, tomorrow, 12.30. 12.30 tomorrow, an MLS preview. Giancarlo Lino is going to go on the limb and he's going to say that the Vancouver Whitecaps are going to capture the MLS Cup on December 3rd. Right, Giancarlo? Uh, you never know. <laughs> Tune in to find out. If you, that, if you pick that, I want to see Carmen's face. All right. He'll slap you the taste out of it. Anyways, go ahead, Giancarlo. Tell everybody how they could get a hold of you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, John underscore 411, Instagram, Giancarlo underscore Lino, and check out my articles on FiredomNetwork.ca. And don't forget, stay tuned. Tomorrow, 12.30, the soccer show for the greatest MLS preview. Myself, Giancarlo, the Hall of Famer, John Freeman Nelson, and the headmaster coach, right? Headmaster coach. Sensei. Sense, yeah. All right, all we need is the, the Cobra Kai number seven. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to ask him. Is he going to be in Cobra Kai? Is it seven now or what? Uh, the final season is uh, season six, which I have no idea when it comes out. Maybe the end of uh, or early next year and then next year. No, no, no. They're going to have number seven to put 
Carmen Asako in. But thanks a lot, John Carlo. Thanks. Well, that was uh, John Carlo Lino and myself on the wrestling show, on the Matt Wrestling Show, as well as uh, previewing, well, talking about WWE, AEW, previewing No Surrender Impact Wrestling tomorrow, as well as uh, Bellator preview of Bellator 291 and UFC Fight Night on Saturday. We got a trade. We have a trade to report in the National Hockey League, Boston and Washington. Boston receives from Washington Garrett Hathaway, Dmitry Orlov, and Andre Slelikov. Washington receives Craig Smith, 2023 first-round pick, 2024 third-round pick, 2025 second-round pick. Minnesota also receives Boston's 2023rd fifth-round pick. Big news, Hathaway, Orlov, Go from Washington to Boston. And that's a trade in the National Hockey League. And um, just a side note, the Raptors beat the New Orleans Pelicans 115-110. Pirtle, 21 points, 18 boards, and three steals. Ingram, 36.7 rebounds, three assists. Raptors, 115. New Orleans, 110. So we're going to close out Fired Up Live tonight. Um, thank you to Courtney Riddell, Renaissance Mama, Drew Ebanks on pointbasketball.com, Sports Fluent, Anthony Kay, as well as um, Marty Roberts and the great, great uh, skier uh, who's we're hopefully going to have big, big things from him, Charlie Beatty. And, of course, John Carlolino with uh, the wrestling show. Stay tuned for more great programming here on the Fired Up Network. Tomorrow, 1230, the soccer show, an MLS preview. MLS starts the season Saturday. TFC and DC will have it all previewed tomorrow right here on the Fired Up Network. Have a great evening. This is Joseph Basic saying good night.